entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Attorney General Letitia James now considering her next move after Donald Trump's fraud penalty. The AG told ABC News that she will seize the former president's assets if he is unable to find the cash to cover the $355 million fine for fraud. ABC's Aaron Katursky sat down with the Attorney General with more on that conversation. Aaron. Attorney General James has been living with this case since September of 2022 when she first filed her lawsuit suit against Donald Trump. She endured multiple attempts to delay it or dismiss it. And four days after the judge issued a decision, she said she is confident it will hold up on appeal. The big question, of course, can Trump pay $355 million plus interest? The attorney general told us that wasn't for her to say, but she said she would do everything in her power to hold him accountable, including, if necessary, trying to seize his assets. If he does not have funds uh, to pay off the judgment, uh, then we will seek, uh, you know, judgment enforcement mechanisms in court, and we will ask the judge to seize his assets. And so at the end of the day, how he pays for the judgment is really not my business. At the end of the day, he is responsible and liable for $363 million plus $100 million in interest. Right out the window of the Attorney General's office is 40 Wall Street. That's the building that Letitia James looks at every day. It was the subject of an overvaluation on the part of the Trump Organization. And she says that would be the one that she goes to first to try to seize if, in fact, Trump somehow is unable to come up with the money another way. But he owes $90,000 a day in interest the longer this goes on, so it's going to add up very, very quickly. The Trump Organization, Trump himself, his sons, are expected to appeal in short order to try and stop that interest clock, but the Attorney General is confident that her judgment uh, will hold up and that she ultimately will prove victorious over the former president. I'm not going anywhere. On the verge of losing her home state primary, Nikki Haley is defying calls from Donald Trump to drop out of the race. I feel no need to kiss the ring. I have no fear of Trump's retribution. Pledging to play on through Super Tuesday, Haley slammed Trump as unelectable. He's gotten more unstable oh, shut up. and unhinged. He spends more time in courtrooms than he does on the campaign trail. He's so obsessed with his own demons from the past, he can't focus on delivering the future Americans deserve. So far, the former South Carolina governor hasn't been able to dent Trump's more than 30-point lead in the polls. The former president was greeted by enthusiastic supporters in Greenville before attending a town hall and a fundraiser. Trump supporters say Haley should get out of the race and let him focus on Biden. The Republican Party's not giving funds to Trump. You know, until, he, until there's a, one primary person. So that's hurting Trump, too. President Biden is heading into the general election with a cash advantage over Trump, who spent nearly $50 million on legal fees last year. The Biden campaign is reporting he has $130 million in the bank after raising $42 million in January. And Trump's top advisors in a campaign memo today said the end is near for Nikki Haley. And they project the former president will have enough delegates to officially lock up the Republican nomination by March 19th at the latest. 
U.S. voted to veto a United Nations resolution demanding an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. Instead, the U.S. put forward its own resolution. CBS 2's Natalie Dudridge is live outside the U.N. with more. Natalie? That's right. The vote in the 15-member Security Council was 13 to 1, with the U.S. vetoing the U.K. abstaining. And officials say that it reflects wide global support for ending the now more than four-month-long war, which started with Hamas's October 7th attacks on Israel. Arab nations pushed for United Nations resolution calling for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza. However, the United States had concerns the resolution could interfere with their ongoing efforts to negotiate a deal between Israel and Hamas. In a surprise move ahead of the vote, the U.S. circulated its own rival draft that would support a temporary ceasefire in Gaza linked to the release of all hostages and call for the lifting of all restrictions on the delivery of humanitarian aid. The United States is working on a hostage deal between Israel and Hamas, along with Egypt and Qatar. This hostage deal would bring an immediate and sustained period of calm to Gaza for at least six weeks. And from there, we could take the time to build a more enduring peace. And this is the third U.S. veto since the beginning of the conflict. Breaking news with new arrests in the deadly mass shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl celebration. Missouri prosecutors charged two men, both in the hospital recovering from gunshot wounds, with murder in the shooting that killed a woman and injured 20 others. Police say the incident started with a verbal argument, quickly escalating when one of the suspects pulled a gun and began firing. Two juveniles were also detained on gun-related charges and resisting arrest last week. Prosecutors say there could be even more arrests. CBS's Charlie DeMar has the latest. New charges in the deadly shooting that broke out during the celebration for the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl win. Dominic Miller of Kansas City and Lindell Mays of Raytown, Missouri, now face charges of second-degree murder, armed criminal action, and unlawful use of a weapon. Both men were also among the nearly two dozen shot during the chaos. Lisa Lopez Galvan, a mother of two and popular radio DJ, died in the shooting. I just can't get excited about the Mets. Am I missing something? No, you're not. I totally agree. And the way they handled Buck last year, Stearns, was a disgrace. Uh, Buck deserved to come back. They they handled that terribly. Who knows on Mendoza? It's a flip of a coin if he's going to be any good. I don't care what the Yankees say. Um, you know, while he's the greatest bench coach in the world, who the hell knows? In the in, in the in the cauldron of a huge uh, ball game in in, in July, is he going to push the right button? You have no idea of knowing that. And the Mets are not that good. I mean, I, I think their pitching stinks. I mean, I listen. I think overall, you know, they're due to be a little better because everybody's going to write them off. There's no pressure on them. Both eyes off their back. They had a terrible year last year. I think that will motivate them to a certain degree. And I think they will overachieve from a lineup perspective. And I think that you'll be surprised at times. I think they'll be feisty. But as far as being a good team, how? The Yankees, I would be, they would be my pick to win the American League East. Now, listen, Houston is very good. And the Yankees never beat Houston. Hater's going to really help that bullpen with Presley. They got Altuve signed. They're going to get Tucker signed. They're going to get Bregman signed. Um, you know, last year they lost game seven to Texas. They were the second best team in baseball. Houston is no – everybody else is up in the air, not Houston. Yankees never beat Houston. Houston owns the Yankees. So that would worry me a little bit because the Houston's got gamers and the Yankees sometimes don't. 
But, I mean, other than that, Yankees got a hell of a chance playing the World Series. Oh, I could hide beneath the wings of the bluebird as she sings. The six o'clock alarm would never ring. But it rain and I rise, wipe the sleep out of my eyes. My shaven razor's cold and it sings. Now you know how happy I can be Oh, and our good times starts and ends Without our love one to spend But how much, baby, do we It's going to be a good day already. Any day you start off the show with the monkeys, <laughs> you know it's going to be great. And who doesn't love that song? Daydream Believer. Who doesn't love that song? You know, when I was a kid, I was a, a very, very big fan of the Brady Bunch. I used to love that show. Loved it. And uh, you remember in one of the episodes, Marsha... And what a life that girl ended up having. My God. All kinds of drug issues. And I mean, in real life, you know. Got her name. Is it Maureen McCormick, maybe? That's it. Yeah. Good job. Thank you. So uh, in one of the episodes on the Brady Bunch, she, um, well, she didn't take him. I guess he took her. Davy Jones, the lead singer of the Monkees, took her to the prom. He actually showed up at the front door, rang the bell. I don't remember. If it was Mr. Reed, Mr. Brady, or Mrs. Henderson, Mrs. Brady, who opened the door, but it was Davy Jones and Marsha at the prom. You remember that? Hello, I'm here for Marsha. Hello. <laughs> that was a little too. That's a little too Beatles. Oh, that was very good, but, though. Very good. Well, Davy uh, Jones well, I'm was short, like a Beatle. I'm, I'm short, but I'm but I try. You know, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I try a little bit. And then you had the other guy. Um, well, now I forgot his name. He ended up being a morning DJ at uh, the old station. Danny Bonaducci. No. He oh. was from the Portrait family. Oh, good. From so. uh, the Monkees. Oh. On uh, CBS before uh, that asshole Scott Shannon. Uh, well, what there's is... only four of them. Yeah, so well, well, come on. Mickey Dolans. Mickey Dolans. He's the only one alive now, too. Mickey Dolans was the morning DJ at CBS. You didn't know that? Uh, he, was, he was playing Take Out the Papers and the Trash. Oh, I thought the oldie station. Yes. Yeah, okay. It was, I think, Dolan's right before Shannon. 
So you had uh, Davy Jones, Mickey Dolenz, Peter Tork, and uh, John Lennon. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you never cease to impress me. That's yeah. amazing. The real, actually, the one true big musician in the band was Michael Nesmith. Oh, Michael Nesmith was great. Yeah, wasn't yes. there Peter? Right. Peter Tork. Tork was the yeah. fourth guy, right? Right. But the the guy who actually put out many records on his own was Mike Nesmith. So he today was a producer is, uh, too. Is he today was. Michael Nesmith's birthday? Uh, no, Peter Tork passed away today. Oh, so today is Peter Tork's heavenly birthday. February 21st. Yes. Yes, he was 77 when he died. And I think I see it was some weird tongue cancer he had. Ew. It was very... Tongue cancer? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. That's... I, I, I'm going to read it again. How long but... ago did he die, Peter Tork? Uh, in the 2000-something. Uh, 19. Okay, so he's been gone for five years. Yes, five years ago. You know, I got a story about um, Clarksville, Tennessee. I'll share it later when you play that song. But most Americans have never been to Clarksville, Tennessee. And trust me, I was there because at one point when I was doing syndicated radio early in my career with my partner Scott Kaplan, and we were syndicated by two different companies, Sports Fan Radio Network and Westwood One, my friend Joel Hollander. And I forget which company had us on in Clarksville, Tennessee, but we were actually on in Clarksville, Tennessee. And we did this thing, Scott and I. We called it the Party with the People Tour. So what we did was we spent three days doing live shows from the most popular bar, the most popular restaurant, maybe the middle of town, in all of the stations we were on. So we actually did live shows from Clarksville, Tennessee. And I'll mention all of that when you play that other great song coming up later this morning. And what is the name of that song? Take the Last Train to Clarksville? The Last Train to Clarksville. What a great song that is. Well, the monkeys are just great. They are. They're Great band. They're not given enough credit. No one says the monkeys were better than the Beatles. They, I did say that. Yeah. Many yeah. times I've heard them utter it right before newscasts, actually. <laughs> yeah. Why isn't anybody saying this? <laughs> uh, monkeys, uh, monkeys put me in a good mood. On the other hand, this Letitia James, I hate her so much. I mean, enough bad things can't happen to her. I mean that sincerely. I know that sounds awful. It really does. But I really hate her guts. When she speaks... I get angry. And this biatch, all she cares about is destroying my friend. So she said yesterday, you know, if Donald Trump can't pay the money, which is $355 million to Trump, $4 million to Eric Trump, $4 million to Donald Trump Jr., and about $100 million in interest, Trump right now is responsible eighty-seven. Thousand dollars a day in interest, eighty-seven thousand a day. You add all that up, and you are just a pubic hair away from half a billion dollars. You listening? Half a billion. I don't care who you are, how much money you've got. Heck, my own boss, my good buddy John Katzmatidis, a half a billion dollar hit hurts in a big way. And now she's saying, if he can't pay, we'll take his stuff. 
So she works right across the street from a building I walk by every day. Every day I take the train to Wall Street, and whether it's the two or the three train or the four or the five train, I have to walk from Wall Street to the Perry, and I walk right past 40 Wall Street. Now, years ago, when I first moved back to New York around 2017, me, Danielle, Ava, and Gabe took an apartment down in Fidei. It was uh, 10 Hanover Square. And so when Gabe was a little boy, the Dwayne Reed we used, the Walgreens, is in 40 Wall Street. To this day, once in a while, they still prescribe Gabriel's medication. So I know that building. I love that building. She's right across the street, this monster, Letitia James, and she wants that building. Now, look, he's got a bunch of properties here in New York that are still considered real prime, from the Trump Tower to the aforementioned 40 Wall Street, to 1290 Avenue of the Americas. Then you've got uh, East 57th Street. You've got Trump Palace, Trump Park, the Trump International Hotel and Tower, and the Trump World Tower. And all of those properties, all of them are up for grabs, according to James, if he can't pay the money. Isn't that right, Noam? That's right. That's really um, grotesque, No. Well, she says this is what she's going to do. She'll go after these buildings. And, you know, maybe he he's in a position where he has to sell off some of these buildings to pay this judgment if he has to. Well, I, I heard no. Uh, his attorney, Alina Haba, the lovely Alina Haba, who's going to join us live on this show coming up in about two hours, was very adamant two days ago that he's got the quote-unquote cash that he didn't need to liquidate his assets, uh, assets to pay for this. Now, she could be lying. I don't know. She's Trump's attorney. But she says he's got the cash. That's a lot of cash, no. Yeah, we don't. I have eighty-one dollars to be exact. (laughs) I've got eighty-one dollars in my wallet this morning, and that's a lot for me, right? Because I took out a hundred a couple of days ago, and I spent nineteen dollars so far. Most days, you'll be lucky to find a twenty-dollar bill in my wallet. Eighty-one bucks, and I'm living large. This guy's paying eighty-seven thousand a day in interest. That's right. That's nuts. Anyway, you wouldn't know it, though. He's still happy. In fact, Andrew Giuliani is calling in at 740 this morning. And Andrew went back to Mar-a-Lago yesterday, and he's playing golf, as he does every week, with President Trump this morning. So you remember, last time Giuliani played golf with Trump was last Friday. And right in the middle of the round, Andrew called me and said, hold on, someone wants to say hello, and the next voice I heard was President Trump. So there's that looming possibility that when Giuliani calls in at 7.40 this morning, that my friend President Trump could absolutely hop on the line and go live on Sitting Friends. Well, how about that? That would be cool. And Andrew, Andrew, give me the phone a second, Andrew. <laughs> hold on. Who, who are you talking to right in the middle of a round? Let me have the phone. <laughs> Sid, how's it going up there? <laughs> well, Mr. President, more importantly, how are you doing? Sid, things are very good. We're going, we're going to change the whole culture of the country. Everything's great. We're going to change. We're going to change. We got a lot of bad people in office right now. We got a lot, a lot did you, of Did terrible... you actually hear the phone call on Friday? That's a Exactly the way it went, I swear to God, except he had a lot more F-bombs. <laughs> oh, that I have It was to so cool, yeah. <laughs> In the meantime, this uh, Nikki Haley, who doesn't stop, 
who doesn't stop. She sounds ridiculous. She's down 30-plus points. She's going to get destroyed Saturday night in South Carolina at that primary. But she vowed yesterday to stay in the race. And why is that, Noam? Well, she has the cash to stay in the race. That's what it's all about? Well, if you don't have the money and you don't have the organization, then you can't but stand that she has those she things. She can't win. Do you know that if you uh, take a look at Super Tuesday, for example, give you guys a little quiz here. Lou and uh, Noam. I love, I love quizzes. You like this? Nah, You're excited, yeah, right? Especially before 7 a.m. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. better. How many states are in play? Caucus, primary, Super Tuesday. How many? Want to take a guess? Twelve, maybe. Twelve. Okay, Lewis? I'm going to say uh, four. Four. Very good. <laughs> How are you not on Fox News, Lou? You're, okay. You're Sorry. not even close. Uh, you were close, Noam. It's 15. 15. You've got Alabama, Alaska, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, and Virginia. 30% of the delegates you need to win the nomination that day for the Democrats. 36% for the Republicans. In these states, there's at least six of these states where Trump leads Haley by more than, you ready for this? Not 30, more than 60 points. 60. And all the projections say that Donald Trump will have all the delegates he needs to be the Republican winner in the primary on or before March 19th, which is exactly two weeks away from Super Tuesday, which comes your way March the 5th. What I'm saying is, before April 1st, she can stay in, she can continue to waste other people's money, but before April 1st, Donald Trump will have the delegates needed to be officially the Republican candidate for president. So what is she doing, Noam? I think she's holding on to she's got money. Maybe she's hoping that she'll be the pick for vice president. Maybe she's looking for no four chance. years. Maybe it's four years from now. She's like, it's just about getting my name out there, recognition. She's, she's ruining herself for four years from now. She might be. Yeah, no, she is. And she has no chance at VP. In fact, during the town hall meeting which Donald Trump did with Laura Ingram on Fox News last night. He's in Greenville, South Carolina. He mentioned six people. He really mentioned three, Vivek, who I can't stand, Ron DeSantis, and Tim Scott. But the short list of the VP possibilities for Donald Trump right now are Vivek, DeSantis, Tim Scott, Christy Nome, Tulsi Gabbard, and Byron Donalds out of Florida. Nikki Haley, not on that list. She will never be on that list. She can have all the never-Trumpers and all the cash she wants. Her career is over. And she continues to burn it even more every day by acting like a complete jerk-off. In fact, here is Nikki Haley in South Carolina yesterday telling everybody, I'm not dropping out. Oh, good for you, baby girl. Nikki Haley, cut number one. Some of you, perhaps a few of you in the media came here today to see if I'm dropping out of the race. Well, I'm not. Far from it. 
and I'm here to tell you why. I'm running for president because we have a country to save. There you have it. Oh, there's a good reason. There you go. <laughs> She's you right mean. about right. that. We sure. do have a country to save. Problem is, Nikki, you can't save it, nor will you have the opportunity. All right, big show today. Huge guest list to remind the folks. Today, day three, all week long, this show goes till 11 a.m. Brian Kilmeade on vacation. So you get me from 6 to 11, an extra hour of sitting friends in the morning, and an extra hour of Curtis. He comes your way 11 to 1. By the way, for the folks out there that feel badly for Curtis, but it should take that hour. The ratings? <laughs> Don't worry about it, folks. Management knows what they're doing. Curtis Sliwa, Andrew Giuliani, Alina Hava, Peter King, Lou Dobbs, Nancy Mace, and Judge Janine Pirro all stopping by today. It's like an all-star team sitting friends in the morning on your hump day Tunnel to Towers Wednesday. And I'll be back right after this. Sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. and maniacs candy give them what they want like that great body of yours louis give them what they want baby the price goes up Sid, every <laughs> couple of seconds interest is there interest on your body like trump has to pay look the the, the economy is in a bad shape right now we got a, a lot of work to do we got a lot of work got to brace it got to bring it up the economy is in bad shape, and our cities all across America are falling apart. That's the bottom line. These blue cities, these blue states, blues are mayors and governors. They're just destroying all these otherwise amazing places in the United States. New York, for example, is a disaster. I live here. I'm not leaving Yet, and I do mean yet, but I know it's a disaster. 
And I'm in the city every day. I don't live in the city. I live in Queens. I live by the beach. Lovely. But I'm in the city every day, and a part of me enjoys it because I need that energy. I couldn't imagine doing this show from any place else. But at the same time, when I go home every day, I'm disgusted by what I see. It's really a um, kind of a wild catch-22 in that I feed off the energy of the city, but at the same time, it's gross. And I'll be back in the city tonight. I've got a very important meeting with a very famous politician. None of your business, though. Don't ask. Wow. That's hmm. very big. Very, very big. Can you give us a hint? No. But I'm going to my friend Rosanna Scotto's restaurant, Fresco. Okay, we're getting there. He's, he's ready to crack. No, but no we're I will not crack. But if you walk place. in, you're going to see me sitting there. Right well, that's there. the first hint. Oh, yeah. that that's right. more than a hint. I'm telling you I'm going to be there. Yeah. Well, that's great. Now you're going to have a lot of the crazy people who... Probably. Your fans. Yeah. They'll all be out there banging on the window and banging on the door. And But i got to come back into the city tonight, which is never fun. Last night, Ranger Stars... Tonight, dinner at Rosanna's place. But uh, Charles Barkley, during the NBA All-Star game over the weekend, which took place in Indianapolis, was talking about another great American city, which has turned to shizzle, much like New York. And it's a city that I love. I've been there many times. I remember covering the U.S. Open Golf Tournament in this city with Scott Kaplan, circa 1999, and coming home to Danielle and saying, you know what, I want to move there. I want to move there. It was that gorgeous. And it's ruined. And I'm talking about the great city of San Francisco. So here's Charles Barkley during the NBA All-Star broadcast, going back and forth with Hall of Famer Reggie Miller about what a dump San Francisco is. Charles Barkley Cut number twelve. Hey Reggie. Yes. If you had a if you had a chance of being cold or being around a bunch of homeless crooks in San Francisco, we need to Oh, oh that's oh, crazy. No. You're not welcome. Oh, not hey, you're hey, not welcome. Hey. No, we don't. Yes, we do. You can't even walk around down yes, there. Yes, you can walk around. Yeah, with a bulletproof vest. Yeah, <laughs> you can walk around with a bulletproof vest. So that's where we are, folks. You know, you got these, not just mayors and governors, but you've also got these DAs. Now, San Francisco, of course, got rid of their uh, crook. But you've got these attorney generals. If you really think about it, New York is the worst. Adams, Hochul, Bragg, and James. Fair to say, Noam, that even California, which I know yesterday... We had a guest on, oh, Bill O'Reilly said California is still the worst state, even though Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank said that now he's got New York as the worst state. O'Reilly said, nah, California is still the worst. But I got to tell you, again, Bragg, James, Adams, Hochul, I think I agree with O'Leary. What about you, No. Well, when it comes to being business-friendly after that judgment on Friday, you got to think a lot of people are going to think about doing business elsewhere. Yeah. Got to go to Florida, right? Uh, Florida or Texas is big, right? Lots of people like doing business in Texas now. Yeah. 
Tennessee. Yeah, a lot of it's down south. Right. Yeah. Not here. Not here. So, in fact, I'm going to Florida in a couple of weeks, which I'm looking forward to. It is Wednesday. My uh, dear friend Frank Siller, the CEO of Tunnel to Towers, does a tremendous job. So every Wednesday we do the Tunnel to Towers update. You know, folks, the foundation is delivering on its commitment to do good and never forget America's greatest heroes. Heroes like United States Army Sergeant First Class Dustin Magner. Lewis, take it away. Sergeant First Class Dustin Magner fulfilled a lifelong dream when he enlisted in the Army. In 2009, his life underwent a profound transformation while he was on deployment to Iraq. His platoon's vehicle struck an IED, resulting in paralysis from the chest down. Magna prevailed through his challenging recovery thanks to the support of his beautiful wife, Rebecca, and their children. This past December, Tunnel to Towers stepped in to provide the Magna family with a mortgage-free smart home in Lutz, Florida. The Foundation Smart Home Program provides catastrophically injured first responders and military veterans like Sergeant First Class Magna with homes tailored to their unique needs, offering independence and accessibility. The Magna family's home includes accessible features like automatic exterior doors, zero threshold doorways, and wider hallways. Join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation in supporting military heroes like Sergeant First Class Dustin Magner. Visit T2T.org and consider making a monthly donation of just $11. That's T, the number 2T.org. That's right, folks. Never forget, join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate just $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2T.org. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellicott with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best built boilers. Get to our triple header on the ice last night. All three local teams returning to action at the Garden. Igor Shosturkin, he made 41 saves, was on his head. And the Rangers beat the Dallas Stars 3-1 to for their eighth straight win last night. Adam Fox, Kapokako, and Vincent Trocek scored for the Rangers in a matchup that consisted of two division leaders. Trocek now with 19 goals. Yeah. Third on the club behind, uh, moved ahead of Zabinijad. Now third behind Panarin and Kreider. There's a reason he was an all-star, man. There is a reason he was an all-star. That's right. Very good, Justin. He's got a great mustache, too. He has a great stash, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Rangers are uh, 9-1-1 in their last 11 there, Sydney. They were coming off that dramatic uh, 6-5 overtime win against the Islanders in their outdoor game on Sunday at MetLife. Shesterkin improved to 23-12-1 and and has allowed two or fewer goals in 17 of his wins. The Rangers have won four of their last five games against Dallas. The last time they had a winning streak of eight or more games was during the uh, 2015-2016 season. They went to the Cup that year when they won nine straight. Franchise record is 10, accomplished in the 39-40 seasons and the 72-73 season. Out in Pittsburgh, Adam Pellick won it uh, with a wrist shot from the slot. 57 seconds into OT to give the Islanders a 5-4 win over the skidding Pittsburgh Penguins. Pellick's 26th career goal in 473 career games helped the Islanders escape with two valuable uh, valuable points. New York and Peru uh, moved, I should say, with within four points of the second wild card in the Eastern Conference after improving to 4-3-3 three, and three. since Patrick Waugh replaced Lane Lambert as head coach a month ago. Brock Nelson scored his 24th of the season for New York. Barzal, Holmstrom, and Riley also scored 
for the Islanders. Finally, the Devils were the only local squad to end up on the losing end of things, getting pounded by a score of 6-2 to two to the Capitals in D.C. New Jersey remains four points back of the second and final wild card spot in the Eastern Conference and trail third place Philadelphia by five points. Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Oi! This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. want to get to this Trump audio from this big town hall he did with Laura Ingram from Greenville, South Carolina last night. But you know, there's a lot of pressure on Congress today. And we're going to talk to my friend Nancy Mace, who of course is in South Carolina, claims she's a friend of Nikki Haley, but like Tim Scott and Lindsey Graham, also both from South Carolina, enthusiastically endorsed Donald Trump, not Nikki Haley. So we'll talk to Mace later, but there is a a lot of pressure on Congress now to pass money for the Ukraine since Navalny was seemingly murdered by Putin and Russia a couple days ago. And that brings us to the next story about Russia, which is we are hearing today that the United States, because we're tough, baby, Joe Biden's tough, please. The United States is about to slap some very serious sanctions on the Russians coming Friday. Noam, what do we know about that? Most of these will be financial sanctions. It's all about trying to stop Russia's war machine, trying to figure out a way to squeeze it. And they've done that before with some of these sanctions. Uh, they've cut off uh, frozen Russian central bank funds. Uh, the oligarchs who do business here, they have a hard time doing so now. They've gone after the price of oil. So my guess, I don't have what these new sanctions will be, but most of them will be probably in line with what we've seen already. How do you feel about giving money to the Ukraine? I mean, I'm on record saying no more. And I said that months ago. I mean, I've had (laughs) fights with Peter King, who's going to join me coming up in about two hours. About enough's enough. I'm sorry Vladimir Putin has not shown me, or the world for that matter, he's ready to take over the world. He's been pathetic. I mean, the Russians are going to win because the Ukraine just doesn't have the weaponry, the people, They don't have it. No matter how much we help, Ukraine cannot win the war. They can't. So the Russians will win eventually because they can last longer. But it's been a pathetic, almost inept performance by Putin and the Russian army. Yes? Yeah, well, no two ways about it. But like you said, they're a superpower. They still are. And the Ukraine is not. And so you wonder how long Ukraine can hold on to, you know, of course, the argument is if they go and they win over Ukraine, what's next? Is well, it, sure, do they go I, I to know. Poland? Do yeah, they march right, into sure, Poland? Right, sure. They're not going into Poland, okay? Uh, that's a NATO country. They're not doing it. And uh, Israel needs to help a heck of a lot more. So I don't want to see these $92 billion Senate bills, which gives another $60 billion to Ukraine with this compromised president. I mean, I, I never trust anything Biden does with that country. 
when you consider that his kid made a ton of money there, when you consider what Zelensky has done for the Biden family, I don't trust any of it. Above and beyond the fact that Ukraine is about the most corrupt country in the world, and this guy Zelensky, to me, is a creep. I know people love him. He's a hero. He's anything but. Israel needs this money. How do you stand about a standalone Israel bill? You're not going to get it. You're just not going to get it. Well, I know you're not going to get it, but how do you feel about it? Well, they probably should do them separately, but... That you know they're tying them together so they can get it through. We'll see if they do, but I don't think you're getting that standalone. It's not going to happen. You're not getting either one. You're not getting money for Israel or Ukraine at this point because right now Congress is uh, concentrating on the border, which they should do. America first. So you're not going to get any money to Ukraine, any money to Israel, until there is a legitimate deal in place to get money to the border. Yes. I think that's probably right, yeah. yeah. Uh, here is uh, Donald Trump last night, once again, courtesy of Laura Ingram and Fox News. Town Hall, live from Greenville, South Carolina. The big primary coming up on Saturday night. Right now, Trump up over 30 points in most polls on Nikki Haley. And he talks specifically about the $355 million fraud fine. This, Lewis, is Donald Trump, cut number 18. It is a form of Navalny. It is a form of uh, communism or fascism. Uh, The guy's a nut job. I've known this for a long time, and I've said it openly. Uh, No jury, no anything. Uh, Letitia James's horrible attorney general in New York campaigned on I will get Trump, I will get Trump. We went through a trial. It turned out we're totally innocent on everything. And he fined me $355 million plus interest and other things. 355. And what we did, in fact, my, my financial statements were conservative. Everybody made money. There was no victim. The bank gets up and says, we love this guy. I mean, they, they love him. He paid back the loans. 100%. Paid back the loans and the bank made money. Uh, then he goes on to talk about that Navalny comparison that's got MSNBC in a tizzy, CNN in a tizzy. How can he compare himself to Navalny? He did it again last night. This is uh, Trump Lewis, cut number four. Navalny is a very sad situation, and he's very brave. He was a very brave guy because he went back. He could have stayed away and, frankly, probably would have been a lot better off staying away and talking from outside of the country as opposed to having to go back in because people thought that could happen, and it did happen, and it's a horrible thing. But it's happening in our country, too. Uh, We are turning into a communist country in many ways, and if you look at it, I'm the leading candidate. I got indicted. I never heard of being indicted before. I was going. I got indicted four times. I have eight or nine trials, all because of the fact that I'm. And you know this. All because of the fact that I'm in politics. They indicted me on things that are so ridiculous. Then he goes on to talk about this big battle against Nikki Haley once again. I got to reiterate, he beat Nikki Haley by double digits. She came in last place in the caucus in Iowa, in New Hampshire, where Nikki Haley destroyed Donald Trump with the independence. She still lost by double digits. She was so pathetic in Nevada, she didn't even show up. And right now, most polls have her down by more than 30 points in her home state of South Carolina, which comes your way on Saturday night, Donald Trump Lewis, cut number seven. 
She's losing it big, big. I mean, really, uh, I said big Lee and big Lee. <laughs> She's losing it big Lee. So let's assume that he destroys Haley, which he will. And then he destroys her again, Super Tuesday, March the 5th, which he will. Now he's got all his delegates in place. He'll be the official Republican nominee before April the 1st. Then it becomes time to pick his running mate. And we've all been trying to figure out for months who Donald Trump is going to pick. Most people say it's got to be a woman. He needs that suburban housewife vote, blah, blah, blah. So last night, Ingram actually pressured Trump into saying a couple of names. Here it is, his possible VP pick, Donald Trump Lewis, cut number 19. What qualities are you looking for in your vice presidential pick? Well, always the first quality has to be somebody that you think will be a good president, because if something should happen, you have to have somebody that's going to be a great president. A lot of people are talking about that gentleman right over there. Uh, Tim Scott. And he's been, he's been so great. He's been such a great advocate. I, I have to say, I don't. This is in a very positive way. Tim Scott, he has been much better for me than he was for himself. I watched this campaign, <laughs> yeah. and he doesn't like talking about himself. But boy, does he talk about Trump! And I said, you know, I called him. I said, Tim, you're better for me than you were for yourself. But he's fantastic, and he's a fantastic person. Uh, so no, someone I who want can somebody step in. That can someone be. who can step into the role. Most importantly, you have to view that. The audience has uh, been asked who they think would be a good choice, and various names came up. Um, uh, one of them was, of course, Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah. He's made a big splash. Ron DeSantis, who's made in, making an appearance today in South Carolina, we just found out. Um, obviously, Tim Scott, Byron Donalds, and a, a big uh, presence here for Tulsi Gabbard. Um, very interesting. Yeah, Tulsi. Come um, on, baby. Are, and Christy Nome as well, I should say. Right. Are, are, are they all on your short list? And when can, you, when can we expect that you will so announce your choice? The one thing that always surprises me is that the VP choice has absolutely no impact. The VP choice has absolutely no impact. Do you remember when I interviewed Donald Trump? Not the last time, but the time before that? When he said the same exact thing, he doesn't want to make it seem like anybody else is all that important. By the way, one name not mentioned during that conversation, Elise Stefanik. And I hear her name mentioned all the time. Anyway, that is uh, Donald Trump last night. We've got more of that. But in the next four hours, because don't forget, today is a five-hour show. In the next four hours, we've got a bevy of great guests. We started off, as we do most mornings, with the man himself, the great one himself, not Mark Levin, but Curtis Sliwa. Before it's all said and done, you'll get Curtis Sliwa, Andrew Giuliani, Trump attorney Alina Haba, Peter King, Judge Jeanine Pirro, Lou Dobbs, and talking about South Carolina, their favorite congresswoman, Nancy Mace. It's a huge Wednesday morning here on Sid and Friends in the Morning, hour number one of five hours in the books. We'll come back with hour number two right after this.
Handling legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Is Sid and friends in the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. Here we come. Walk down the street. We get funniest looks from everyone we meet. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. And people say we're monkeying around. But we're too busy singing. Put anybody down. We go where we want to. Do what we like to do. We don't have time to get restless. There's always something new. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. And people say we monkey around. But we're too busy singing. To put Friends, today happens to be, as Lou Rapino, the genius, pointed out earlier, heavenly birthday for one of the four monkeys, Peter Took. I want to stick with the monkeys with Curtis, but I do want to thank Pete Morgan. Pete gave me and my beautiful son Gabriel great Ranger tickets last night. Rangers won again. They beat Dallas 3-1. to one. Another goal for Trocek is 19th. Box scored. And what a night for Igor Shosturkin. 41 saves. Like Pete Morgan texted me moments ago, back to his old form. My friend Juliana Golia said the same thing. All the Ranger fans, very, very excited about this hockey team, folks. I know it's only February, March, right around the corner. But this team looks like a legitimate Stanley Cup hockey team. Big win last night. And uh, they, they move on. Actually, next Wednesday night, a week from tonight, I'm going back to the Ranger game. It'll be me, Pete Morgan, and Joseph Tacopina. Both of those guys, Morgan and Tack, have season tickets. Okay. Curtis uh, does an amazing job, as we know, every weekday afternoon at noon. The Rip and Read also great job hosting weekends on the overnight. And uh, tremendous with me every morning. He's one of the uh, six-man cast on this show. And since Brian Kilmeade has gone on vacation, they split those two hours between me and Curtis. And I can tell you, because I know this, that Curtis is getting great ratings the last two days doing that 11 o'clock hour. But uh, Curtis, like everybody else, everybody else is a huge fan of the monkeys, yes. aren't you? Yes, and also let me give you a side hustle here on Gump Worsley and the Nets for the Rangers when they were with Bateman Bertha last place. 462 stitches on his face, yeah. no mask days for goalies. Gump. And he was asked by the Daily News, what's your biggest problem in the Nets for the Rangers? 
He says, the guy's in front of me because there's nobody who knows how to play defense. That's why I have to block so many pucks with my face. <laughs> now, come on. There's no modern-day goalies who can compare no, with no, those. No. Gary Sawchuk. I think they all had like 400 stitches. Oh, Gump, was, uh, Gump was great. There's no doubt about it. Now, they're not the same, but uh, this guy right now, I mean, the Rangers, the reason why they are so dangerous is they've got not one but two big right. time goals. You got to do this. You got to yes. ask the loyalty test. Yes. Do they support Putin or do they support the United States? Oh, I'll tell you, it's the United States. I'll tell you why. Wait, wait. I'll remember, tell you why. Remember the guy in the Washington Capitals, their star, said he was a Putin guy. Oh, Vetchkin, yes. That's right. But here's the difference the Rangers star. The guy that leads the Rangers in points this year, leads him in goals, 32, almost 80 points, a perennial all-star, actually was scared to death that Putin wanted to kill him. And, of course, I'm talking about Panarin. He's the best player on the team. So he does not like Vladimir Putin. So unlike Ovechkin in Washington, Panarin and the Rangers are America first, not Russia. Yeah, I'll ask them, hey, did you go to the tribute for Volani over at the Russian consulate like <laughs> I did? I'll bet you they did. Now, one more point. Well, hold on. Do you have any issues yes. on a serious note? Because you're a smart guy. Yes. And you know history as well as anybody. Yes. Do you have any issues like CNN does, MSNBC does, all these liberal fart faces with Donald Trump comparing himself, as he's done now the last two days, to Navalny? No. Okay, good. Absolutely Even not. Even do I. I mean... Uh, except, naturally, they haven't tried to poison Donald Trump because he eats fast food. <laughs> yeah. If he hasn't died from all that fast food by now, <laughs> he has a lead-lined stomach. He does. I mean, he is a fast food-consuming machine. You mentioned it. Remember, remember the uh, uh, El Jefe, Chris Christie, was ordered to fetch him McDonald's, you know, Big Macs. And Christie came back under the campaign train uh, a plane when he was uh, supporting Trump. And he ate half the Big Macs on the way back to the uh, plane. Remember I, that? I, I do remember that. I do. And that's a true story, 100%. I do. By the way, uh, talking about uh, Donald Trump, uh, Andrew Giuliani will join me coming up in about 28 minutes. As I mentioned earlier, the last time Giuliani called me was Friday. He happened to be on the golf course by Mar-a-Lago with Donald Trump. When Giuliani calls in at 740 this morning... He will once again be on that same golf course with Donald Trump. Trump got on the phone with me on Friday. That remains a possibility coming well, well, up. Let me tell morning. you, to Andrew's credit, he's uh, been enrolled in the Curtis Sliwa Talk Radio Boot Camp here at WABC. Did he really? Yeah, he's with me on Sundays at 8 o'clock. I'm shaping him up. The guy is really coming into his own as a talk show host. You, you should be proud of him. I am. You know, we got some others over here who are like 90 years old doing uh, shows here. They, they need to be held up before the microphone. <laughs> hey, if you're listening, John and Margo and Chad, time to exit the old autococcus, of which I'm one, and time for a new generation of talk show hosts. But anyway, one last thing before we talk about the monkeys. You were talking about the Ukraine and Russia. Where are the Ukrainian refugees, right? I'm in all the migrant shelters. You could truly say they're war refugees. There's a full-blown war going on there. And they would have come to the United States, right? They went to Hungary. They went to Poland. We saw hundreds of thousands fled. I mean, every migrant shelter, you know that, Sid. I have yet to see one Ukrainian. That's interesting. Where how come, how, yeah, why, how come we're not allowing them to come into the United States who legitimately are war refugees? Some of them have skill levels, as you know. 
A lot of skilled people in the Ukraine that could work right into our, our tech industries, you know, who have graduate degrees. Oh, you just said something that I'm going to meet. I'm going to need to make sure you're right about. You said, why are we not letting them into the United States? So you're saying, where are the Ukrainian refugees? And you're also saying to me, at least, that we're not letting them in. How do you know that? Well, where, where's the discussion about where they're going? They certainly want to come to the United States. What, they're the only people in the world who don't want to come to the United States? Well, where are they going? Interesting. You know who's doing the deep dive on that? My wife, Nancy. She is? Oh, yeah. And you know she always comes up with the answers. Every time. But how come you haven't seen on any of the shows about all the migrants from Venezuela, from North Africa, not one Ukrainian? Not one Ukrainian. What about no, all those? Nobody has asked that question. But Where are the second. Ukrainians? What about all those people that live in uh, Ina Vernikov section of Brooklyn? They're Russians. They're Ukrainians. Yes. Well, uh, we're going to do the deep dive. But all let's right, get good. back to the monkeys. Uh, all right. I want to pay tribute to both you and Wrong Way Lou Rafino for recognizing the greatness of the monkeys. You realize, um, look who I'm talking to. Um, and I say this with all sincerity because I'm. You know, people say I'm conceited, I'm narcissistic. Well, it's, you it's are. stupid. No, no, you are. There's no, no doubt about it. But I concede that you're the man here. I concede that. But you do realize that those little things, like the monkeys, that discussion Lou and I had for about four minutes at the top of the 6 o'clock hour, you do realize that that's why we're number one. You're going to be hard-pressed to find other shows, even on this station, anywhere in New York, that move away from the topics at hand. Yeah, all they, talk about. All they talk about. Trump, Biden, Trump, right. Biden. I want to impale myself well, with well, the Adams, too. Adams, too. Hochul, too. Uh, the migrant problem here, too. But And by know, the way, by the way, real quick, uh, California is worse. We'll discuss that momentarily. Oh, I totally. Oh, oh no, that's what Bill O'Reilly says. No, no, no. California. Uh, Kevin, oh, O'Leary, no, no. Kevin O'Leary says uh, New Kevin York. Kevin O'Leary, what does he know? God, he's you on the show. He walks around on the street. Hey, Jeeves, where's my Limo jeans, get out of here, Kevin O'Leary. Get out of here, Shark Tank Mark Cuban. Anyway, anyway, let's get right into the monkey. Okay, who's your favorite monkey? Hold on. Uh-oh. Last night, I'm sitting with my son, Hunter. As you know, March 2nd, he gets bar mitzvah in Forest Hills. He's one of your two Jewish sons. That is correct. My youngest son, because we're preparing him for manhood, and his mother said, you got to sit him down because he's not tough enough. What is his Jewish name? Do you know it? Who the hell knows? <laughs> Why the hell did she name him Hunter? Bobby what Kyan. kind of a Jewish name is that? And <laughs> then his older brother, Carter. What, after Jimmy Carter? <laughs> what a shun! <laughs> I had no participation in the naming of my two youngest sons. Now, who was the mother of these two kids? Who is the mother? Melinda Katz. Oh, Melinda. Okay. The Queen's DA. So anyway, I'm just sitting. It's one-on-one with me and Hunter. And, I'm just, and I walked past what in order to get to the location... The Forest Hills Tennis Lawn area, which is now the scene of concerts. 1967, the Monkees were the biggest group, bigger than the Beatles, bigger than the Rolling Stones, sold more albums than both. 67. That was the year I was born. Who was the opening act for the Monkees? Let me take a guess. Uh, Teddy Pendergrass. No. No. Jimi Hendrix. No way. Yes. Stop it. Jimi Hendrix was booed off the stage by the Monkey fans who wanted to hear the Monkees. That's how popular they were. And then when they went to London, 
They met up with the Beatles. The Beatles threw a party for them and actually had them jam with them on some of the sessions of the wonderful music sessions. That's how much the monkeys were. People don't realize they had their Saturday morning uh, series. TV was, show. Right. It was a comedy show. Won two outstanding Emmys for comedy series on NBC. It was good. They were number one. Wait, so were they friends with the Beatles? Friends. Not only friends. When they went over to London, they were doing jam sessions with John Lennon, Paul McCartney, yes, Ringo, and George Harrison. See, See nobody would, knows that. I would think that, like, the Beatles looked at them as, like, their little stepbrothers, and the monkeys were jealous of the Beatles, but you're telling me they actually had a good relationship. Oh, they had a great relationship. And this was not like Spinal Tap. You know, guys who had no musical ability that were put together. That great film, remember Spinal Tap? Yes. No, in fact, the Beatles had a special liking for them because they liked them as actors and musicians. And what did the Beatles go on to do? Act, remember? Of course. So you understand there was synergy there. Wow. I'm telling I, I, I want to give props the wrong way, Lou Rufino, and you for recognizing that. And remember, <laughs> that was the baby booms generation. Yeah. 13. Remember, 13, 13. I was number 13 for the Adam Blowers in Little League. Imagine. Uh, what team do you play for, Curtis? The Adam Blowers. <laughs> the Adam Blowers. Do you know how embarrassing that was now, for what, the what Canarsie league? Little League? Oh, Canarsie Little League, because I played for Kings Bay in Brooklyn. Yeah, but. At least I play for Kings Bay. Uh, what's your team? Who's your sponsor? <laughs> Adam Blowers. Yeah, it's on the Redskins. Uh, I've never seen you in the uh, now long time we've been working together daily, a part of this show. I've never seen you this excited before. Oh, let me tell never. you. Never. I had flashback. I'm sitting with my son, and I asked him a question. He goes to junior high school. I said, did they teach you about the conflict going on with Israel and the Palestinians? He goes, no, Daddy, they, they, they don't want to discuss it. And slowly I turned step by step. And when I was 13, I was in Builder C. Junior High School. My history Wait, what teacher, school is that now? Builder C. Junior High School in Canarsie. Canarsie, okay. Like 82nd Street in Flatlands. A lot okay. of the Gavones went there. But uh, all the Jewish kids, you know, SP, two years instead of three. <laughs> yeah. I was in the three-year SP. Mr. Lerner comes in, tough Jew. He's the dean. He's in control of the lunchroom. You know what you had to do in order to control the lunchroom to stop the food fights. Hardcore conservative. He tells everybody, I'm a registered member of the conservative party of New York. I'm proud of it. I'm supporting Buckley for mayor, you know, versus Lindsay and the rest of the Michigan guys. He wheels in a TV, you know, from the ATV room, uh, you know, the AV squad. Uh, you know, they must have been in a drug-induced psychosis, dropping acid. <laughs> and we're watching Israel being invaded by Egypt and Syria on the TV, and he's educating us. We discussed it. Now, the preponderance of kids in the class were all Jews. There was me, the one Gentile, and there was Beth White, uh, a surviving member of, uh, of Peter Stuyvesant and the Dutch Reform. <laughs> but we learned all about it, and we had a discussion. Yeah. They won't even no. talk about no, it. No, no. And he said, yeah. because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Oh, they're worried about the Palestinians. They're worried about the pro-Palestinians and... You know, my son tells me for the longest time, not just Israel, Hamas, but you know the deal. They won't talk about the Holocaust. They won't talk about 9-11. What do they learn about every day? Every day. Slavery, civil rights, every 
day. Black Lives Matter, which has become big, large mansions because of white, oh, oh, white, you know, if, white if really, people, it, it, you know, I'm sorry, <laughs> I, let me give you money. I know you're not accountable for it. I know you're going to go out there in the real estate industry, <laughs> and pretty soon, you know, you're going to be competing with the likes of Donald Trump and everyone else, the big moguls. But here, take our white guilt money, and they keep shoveling it to them. That's why Black Lives Matter now stands for big, large mansions. That's what they are, exactly. Suckers. Out in California, and right now, you know, you look at uh, Letitia James, repulsive. You look at um, the Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, repulsive. Now, I like Eric Adams as a person. You don't. So my point to you is some of your least favorite people in charge here in New York are all black people. You know that, right, Curtis? All. Well, they run everything here in New York, right? The, 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 I mean, I, I mean, Hochul's the governor. They're She's screaming right. they need reparations, right? <laughs> well, Hochul might as well be a sister with an attitude, right? She's afraid of them. Oh, I don't want right. to offend no, you. No, you're right. I mean, he sees black also. Stuart Cousins is black Yo, also. They, the hey, they did it the right way. They did it at the electoral system. Pretty soon, the minority, soon to be the majority, will be running it. Hispanics, get used to it, people. It's just the way you organize. You get your vote out, and that's how you get into uh, office. Talking about Hispanics, a guy that I never liked. I never liked him, but he's really pro-Israel. I have no idea how you stand on this guy. How do you feel about Richie Torres? Okay, uh, the good news is Michael Kemper is Jewish. <laughs> oh, let me tell you something. You won yesterday's battle. Hey, let me tell you something. Brian kill me. We both love you. We love Brian. I uh, love him a lot. Don't come back. Uh, Brian, stay in Hawaii. You know, this is the midwinter break. He's with his lovely family, his daughters. You know, they love to play you know, soccer. You, you say don't come back. They may not let him back. Right, exactly. <laughs> Your ratings are enormous. My ratings follow yours. I'm number two. I have to acknowledge it. Number two to the man, Sid. But yesterday you outdid me ten different ways to Red China and back. And let me explain. In the midst of all of my mishigosh going on with the Adams administration, you convince your very dear friend and fellow Lonsman, Michael Kemper, who I've known for years, when he was in charge of the 75th Precinct in East New York, he's now the Transit Police Commissioner. He actually likes you. Well, we've, we've known each other. He says you're friends. Yes, yes, but you got him on the air to say the following about having a meeting with me at the 2nd Avenue Deli, which is really on 1st Avenue, you performed a shirach. Curtis, uh, as you know, is on 7 a.m. every morning. I know you listen when you can. So yep. he um, he really does know the subways. You know that. All kidding aside, let's all stick aside. Nobody knows the subways like Curtis. He has spent the better part of 45 years traveling those subways all over New York. He can tell you at every stop the history of every stop on the subway. So this morning he says, listen. I want to volunteer my services. I know you love Michael Kemper. I do. I want to help the city of New York. I want to sit down with Kemper at the 2nd Avenue Deli and try to help figure this thing out. Are you willing to sit down with Curtis and have that type of meeting? No, of course I am. Look, you, you hit the nail on the head. Curtis has been around a long time, decades. And if anyone knows the subway system, it's him. You know, I, I'm willing to talk to anyone. And I know how much a, a big a fan he is of, uh, of mine personally. You couldn't be more hopelessly right, Sid. You performed the shit. Ugh. 
you might end up winning a Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> for that, even bigger than going to Israel Well, it isn't week? so much for Michael Kemper. We've <laughs> yeah. known each other, but let's face it. I'm not friends with the Adams administration. No. They're not friends of mine. But I right. will tell you this. I have put in my pre-order at the 2nd Avenue <laughs> Deli, which is now on 1st Avenue, in honor of the man who held the first World Pickle Eating Championship that I won at the original 2nd Avenue Deli in the Lower East Side when Abe Leibowitz was the mayor of 2nd Avenue. And uh, in behalf of his name, who was killed while making a run to the bank in March of 1996, that was never solved. He was murdered. I ordered the instant heart attack sandwich. This is two large potato pancakes with corned beef, pastrami, and salami. Oh! If the meeting is going bad, I want a bowl of chowin. <laughs> I want a bowl of chowin. The restaurant will clear out. Beans, beans are good for the heart, but they make you fart. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, what this means to me is... When, in fact, we do this, oh, this is so good. meeting, it's going to happen with uh, me, you, and Kemper. You know what that means, Curtis? I'm outnumbered, two Jews to a Gentile. That's true, but I'm talking about the big picture. Yes. You know what that means? What? That means a dinner at either Club ZZ or Casa Cipriani. With the mayor, Eric Adams. I don't go Can to that kind of place. By- no, no, you know where we go? We go back to Michael's Avenue on those streets. Would you go with the mayor? Where Would I you got go the, with the mayor? Yes, I got the standing ovation there. He won't. That's why I want to go to Michael's. But you would do it. Absolutely. If I can convince Mayor Eric Adams to have dinner with you at Michael's on Nostrand Avenue and Avenue R, my buddies, Freddie and Michael in Brooklyn, you would do it. I'm down. I'll break the bread. But, shit, I'm Mr. Subway. I got an update on that human leg that was discovered on the tracks of the number four train. Now, get this. They still don't know whose leg it was. As a kid was looking out the front window, you know, next to the motor man, Choo Choo Charlie was an engineer, good and plenty, good and plenty. Mommy, mommy, there's a leg on the track. <laughs> mommy says, no, that's probably from a mannequin. It turns out it's a human leg. It's with the medical examiners. They've determined that it's a man's leg. And get what? Guess what? They think it was from a week before when a homeless guy got hit in the tunnels between Lafayette Avenue and Spring Street in wow. the subway. Wow. That's the Lower East Side. I know the mobile people live down there hit by a train he was killed he was missing a leg one week before how the hell did that leg get all the way up to the south bronx wow 167 170th on the elevated train the four train i'm reporting for duty transit police commissioner michael <laughs> kemper i'm gonna find out how did that leg get from the lower east side all the way up to the South Bronx, within a week's time, the MTA money-taking agency said, well, there was a lot of snow was covering it up. What do you think? I'm a schmuck? I'm a putz? I'm a schmendrick? I'm a pisher? How the hell did that leg get from all the way to the Lower East Side? What was it, dragged up by a train? No, that's the number four train. Sorry, you can't sell me those wolf tickets. The king of radio, I mean, King David himself has done the impossible. A shit-ock. A sit-down between Michael Kemper, the transit police commissioner, a lawnsman, Curtis Slewa at the 2nd Avenue Deli, which is really on 1st Avenue. This is a miracle, and you're not even a Roman Catholic.
This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. As always, by Curtis Lee. Let's talk to Curtis. You know, on this biatch, this evil, repulsive Attorney General Letitia James comes out and starts threatening Trump. Well, if he doesn't have the money, I'll just take his properties. I'll seize all of his assets, you know. It reminded me a lot of Curtis. Because it doesn't matter how many jobs Curtis has. It doesn't matter how much money Curtis makes. He don't see a penny of it, and Trump is becoming dangerously like Curtis. Letitia James is going to take everything like Curtis's six or seven ex-wives take his. Melinda Katz, and I don't even know the names of all these people. I don't know. (laughs) But he doesn't either. (laughs) He doesn't either, right. I mean, his wife now, Nancy, is a sweetheart, thank God. Yes, she's great. But uh, this poor bastard, they leave him with nothing. I mean, nothing. I said, what if they decide to give you one hour from Brian Kilmeade show? You're doing a great job filling in. I said, that's more more money for you. And his quote was, not for me. No. no. It it gets signed right over. Okay, this will go to number five. Okay, let's put that in mail slot five. (laughs) Well, Curtis takes a ride on the four train. His wife is taking Ubers all over. His ex-wife's taking Ubers all over town. This guy's on on the subway with a bunch of masturbating degenerates. Uh, Andrew Giuliani is coming up next, and uh, he's on that same golf course he was on on Friday when he handed the phone to President Trump. And he's playing with the president again this morning. So not that Andrew's not good enough. Andrew's a great, great, great guest. But you never know. Trump could be standing right there again this morning. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. I'm all right. Nobody about me. Blake Ray Kenny Loggins, of course, this song was used in the movie Caddyshack of being that Giuliani's on a golf course again. It only makes sense. You know, right now, Savannah Guthrie, 
As far as I know, she's on the morning show, the Today Show on NBC, but for some reason, she's on CNN. She's got a new book out, Faith Journey. It's called Out of My Comfort Zone. So I guess Savannah Guthrie found God recently. <laughs> and this, um, I can't hear it, obviously, because I'm hosting a radio show, so I could just see it out of the corner of my eye. But this has to be the dumbest conversation in the history of television. Savannah Guthrie and some other idiotic CNN morning show host. And then she, I guess she has to, is it right across the street or something? How does she do the other Today Show if she's doing this? Well, God, who cares? But what what, are, they ta- what cares. are they talking about? They're talking about her stupid book. She found God. Oh, yes. I don't know. She found she had, God, she's right. got doubt, suffering, yeah. tragedy. This lady should kiss the ground. She's got <laughs> no talent whatsoever. She makes millions and millions of dollars on a Today Show. She's not even all that good looking. Got a car picking her up. Probably. Oh, my God. She found God. Everybody's Give me a, write, a break. Everybody's got to write a book when they find God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> What's God thinking, Brian? By the way, you know, I've been here. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know where you've been. Yeah, I've been very good to you. Yeah. <laughs> so last time Giuliani called me, he was on the golf course Friday. This is a true story. I've told you this. And he goes, oh, hold on a second. Somebody wants to say hello. And the next voice I heard was President Trump. And we were on for a couple of minutes together. And he just, well, he's the best. What could I say? But uh, Giuliani is right back in that same place about to golf with 45 once again. The great Andrew Giuliani. Andrew, good morning, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, Sid, what ended up happening was we played through a group the other day, and, uh, of course, the group wanted to take pictures with President Trump, and President Trump, uh, you know, loves loves taking pictures with his fans. So it went on over there, and as I'm driving by, one of the guys, while they're about ready to take a picture, said, Oh, my God, I listen to you on WABC radio all the time. And so we got to talk, and, he's, uh, and, and uh, the president said, How's my buddy Sid doing? I said, Well, why don't you ask him yourself? And, and we gave you a call. And uh, he's very excited that you're going to come see him in Mar-a-Lago in, uh, in less than a month right now. He did say that. Yeah, he did say that. In fact, he even said, I want to carve out some time for you. He said, Andrew, make sure we carve out some time. You know, what struck me is, and you're right, the phone call started with him saying, how you doing, Sid? And my next, my response was, more importantly, how are you doing? And I said yeah. that because... This was Friday. This was literally like an hour before I knew the judge was going to come down very hard on Trump. And he did, right? $363 million, another $100 million in interest. We're talking nearly a half a billion dollars. And yet, yet, Trump gets on the phone with me, could not have been nicer, in a better mood, upbeat about the election. You're playing golf again with the president this morning. How does he do that? It's amazing. I think he thrives in the chaos. And it's, it's kind of similar to the way that uh, I look at my father and all this stuff where, you know, you'd think you'd just be a beaten down man when you realize that, uh, you know, over the week you've lost a half a billion dollars and what they try to do, do for you, do for you. But I think they realize just how important this is for the country. You know, I haven't really spent much time with him since Friday, since the ruling. I saw him very briefly. Um, but I had somebody, a good friend of mine, who was on the plane with him on Saturday going to both Pennsylvania and Michigan. And so I asked him uh, when they came back on Sunday, I said, how's he feeling? He said, you couldn't tell. You, you would mm. not know mm. that this judgment was against him. If anything, he made a joke about it and saying it was kind of an expensive week for me. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm glad these shoes seem to be doing well because I got to make it up somewhere. But he was he was injecting levity into the conversation after that ruling. So that's just the way he is. He um, actually, Alina Haba, his attorney, 
who yeah. said a couple of days ago, don't worry, he's got the cash. She is set to join me right after Andrew coming up in about 20 minutes. You don't want to miss that. But getting back to the president, you mentioned he was in Pennsylvania, Michigan on Saturday. Last night he was in Greenville, South Carolina. Of course, this Saturday is the primary against that annoying biatch, Nikki Haley. And uh, he was great. He was on with Laura Ingram. He did a Fox News uh, town hall. He talked about everything. He compared himself to Navalny, which really pisses off the liberal media. He talked about the ridiculous uh, civil case uh, fraud ruling. He talked about Nikki Haley, talked about Joe Biden. And then he talked about the VP stuff, Andrew. And he was on the show with me, not the last interview, the one before. And he really played down the importance of the VP. He did. He said, listen, Sid, nobody wins the presidency based upon who they pick as a running mate. Yet, yet, it is a huge part of the conversation. And last night he did mention Tim Scott, Vivek Ramaswamy, Ron DeSantis. Uh, Ingram also mentioned Christy Nome, Tulsi Gabbard, Byron Donald. I did not hear the name Elise Stefanik, but the point is the VP discussion was front and center last night. you have any thoughts? Yeah, and I think what Trump says on this, again, is right. I think, if anything, a vice president, if you look back at the past history, recent history of picking a vice president, it can cost you more than it can help you. But when you're talking about somebody like Donald Trump, um, I think that, uh, you know, he takes so much of the oxygen that it almost doesn't matter, except for this one thing, right? Considering Trump gets in, wins, he's got four years you know that that vice presidential nominee, whoever ends up becoming the vice president, becomes an instantaneous front runner basically the day that they get sworn in. And their campaign basically starts two years from when they end up starting. So I think more than anything, not necessarily to win this election, but when you look at the future of the conservative movement, um, I think that's why this selection is so important. Less for the actual votes on election day or election season, as President Trump likes to point out, in November. But what does this look like for the next 8 to 12 years? Because if you look at all of the uh, – by the way, I'm getting an Amber Alert on my phone right now while I'm calling in to you. So let's hope that's what the beeping is on all this. I'm trying to shut it off. So I thought, there we go. It's off here. Uh, let's hope that child is, is good and returned. And check your uh, – if you're in South Florida, check your phones now and make sure that you can take a look at that child. But going back to the vice president – I think it's so important for the conservative movement going forward here that you have a plan over eight to 12 years, because it's not just going to take four years of Trump to solve some of these issues, the way that they're targeting parents, the way that they're injecting this uh, gender bending crap into kids' minds in schools. This is going to take a decade to do that. And President Trump is going to start this and and take a uh, take a very, very big step in uh, in making sure our country follows as a constitutional republic. One more on President Trump, and especially his town hall last night. You know, The View on Monday discussed a potential debate between Trump and Biden. And all these ladies hate Donald Trump. They despise him. And one by one, they admitted they were scared to death that Trump would hammer Biden in a potential debate. So last night it came up again. Will you challenge Biden to a debate, and will he accept This is Trump with Laura Ingram, cut number six. I'll do it right now on your show. I'll challenge him right now. And we can do you. You can do anybody you want. I'll take anybody from uh, CNN, which is doing very poorly in the ratings, by the way, as you probably (laughs) know. I'll take anybody because I think you have an obligation in this case. You really have an obligation to debate. When it came to the Republicans, you know, I was up by 40, 50, 60 points, like being up on her. 
uh, I think a poll just came out. I'm at 91 and she's at seven. And would you debate? You want to be smart. You don't have to waste your time doing so. But that would be instructive to see you versus Biden on any given topic. Regardless of poll numbers, I'm way up on him now in the polls. And frankly, I think we have an obligation. When you have the final Republican, the final Democrat, you have the two people you have to debate regardless of How many debates would you commit to? As many as necessary. I would like to do it starting now. I don't think he's going to debate, though. I really don't think so. I mean, we had a debate where he, at the end of the debate, he admitted I was right about almost everything, but in particular on energy. Do you remember? I said, I feel like Perry Mason, the way you just collapsed. Uh, and he admitted everything about energy, and that's what actually happened, and that's why your energy costs went up three and four times. I mean, we had a dollar eighty-seven, and he was up to five, six, seven dollars, and that's going to happen immediately after the election. Let's not even talk about if he wins. We can't allow it to win. We're not going to have a country left. All right. So, Andrew, what do you think? Do you think that Joe Biden will debate Donald Trump at least once, once? I don't think he can shit. I mean, I, I don't know how he can actually get through that debate potentially. I mean, I guess they're going to have to pump him with whatever they can to try to do it once. But, I mean, think about this, though, right? When does the front runner and President Trump, if you look at the polls right now, he's leading in most, if not all of these swing states in poll after poll, albeit in the single digits, but he's leading in these states. When is it the front runner that's actually calling for the debate? That's how much President Trump wants transparency with regards to Joe Biden. And that's how much the Biden team knows that they can't give it to him because you've got a candidate that can't talk about uh, that, that thinks they're talking to dead presidents, literally. Yeah. So, to, so to me, I think it shows you the confidence that President Trump has. I think it shows you just how little confidence the Biden team has in Biden and just how much President Trump wants transparency. Oh, and by the way, when he talks about uh, oil specifically right there, when you talk about what actually fueled Russia to be able to give it the resources to go into Ukraine and invade Ukraine, they now have $600 billion extra dollars that they didn't have because Joe Biden decided to cut off yep. the Keystone Pipeline yep. and everything that was making us energy independent. So thanks a lot, Joe Biden, for actually starting another war here with Russia and Ukraine. That's right. Russia, Ukraine and and Israel, Hamas, both because Joe Biden enriched the Russians. He enriched the Iranians. He enriched the Chinese. He is single handedly destroying, destroying the world. We'll take a short break when we get back. There's a big Senate race coming up in New York. I had one of the candidates on just yesterday. And there's a big convention coming up tomorrow. Something tells me Giuliani knows an awful lot about this. We'll take a short break. More with Andrew Giuliani right after this. and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. We're going to talk to Alina Haba, Trump attorney, and Peter King coming up this hour. Then we'll go to South Carolina. My friend Nancy Mace standing by at 1015 with the big primary coming up on Saturday. But more here with 
Andrew Giuliani. So, uh, Andrew, yesterday, our mutual buddy Johnny Tobacco, I brought on his friend, Cara Castronova. She's got a, a big day coming up tomorrow. The convention needs 25% to ensure herself a run for the primary against a guy like Max uh, Mike Sapraconi in an effort somewhere down the road to beat Kirsten Gillibrand for Senate here in the state of New York. I know this is a race. You're interested in these are all your buddies, Joe out there, America First Warehouse, all the Giuliani guys. Uh, tell me what you see so far and the possibilities for this New York State Senate race. Yeah, well, first and foremost, I think the New York GOP might be making another mistake here by putting their weight behind Saprakona. And I got to tell you, what really concerns me is just looking back at his past political donations, almost $40,000 in donations to Tom Swazi, a consistent donor to Democrats. He's given to Republicans, too. But I'll tell you, one person who he hasn't given a dollar to in 2016, 2020, or in 2024 is Donald Trump. Is that right? So you're telling me that he had $40,000 to throw around to Tom Suozzi, who even though he plays the part of the moderate, he votes 93% of the time with AOC, votes 100% of the time with Joe Biden, and you're not going to give a dollar to Donald Trump? So a lot of times it's it's one of those things where uh, the numbers do not lie in terms of where you're going to be. That on top of the fact that he said that he would support sending American troops into Ukraine, sending American troops, not financial aid now, we're talking American troops, I think is very, very concerning. When you've got a great conservative warrior in Kara Castronova, who has been out there for the January 6th defendants, really somebody who's a good friend. And by the way, another good friend in Josh Eisen, who was supporting Republicans and conservatives when they were calling Republicans and conservatives insurrectionists. Remember, he was standing with conservatives in 2021, in 2022, at a time when it was very, very tough and who built a very, very impressive business empire. So between Kara, her being an incredible fighter, somebody who's built the small business, somebody who I think would be really an America first warrior here for the party, and Josh, somebody who understands the business acumen and will stand with you when times get tough, I feel like they're picking the, the, the wrong choice here again, Sid. Why are they doing that? I know he's a former cop. People like that about him. And he's been on the show with me once before. He's actually a pretty smart guy, and he's got a lot of friends, a lot of friends in a lot of high places. Something tells me Peter King is not going to be happy that you and I are talking about Kara Kashanova. So the, the question is pretty simple. Why, why is Sapra Cohn a favorite of all these folks? And look, and I like Peter King a lot. Peter King is somebody who I think is a great American. I know, I know our conservative group sometimes have been going after Peter. And, you know, I, I, this is where I look at Peter and I say he is one of the great Americans, one of the great members of Congress that the state of New York has ever had. But you do have to ask, who in Nassau County is doing the vetting out there, right? You had Santos before who has, you know, his litany of lies. He should still be in Congress, by the way, but he obviously was a vetting mistake of Nassau County. And then Mozzie was somebody who was still a registered Democrat who couldn't get the lawfare question down. And now you've got a guy who's given significantly more to Democrats than to Republicans. Obviously, the fact that he was a detective for two decades, I I thank anybody who actually went out there and made that sacrifice on a daily basis. But we can't be giving Republican nominations out to people that seem more inclined to Democratic policies Yep. Then Republican policy said this is just outrageous. No, I agree. Continue to make the same mistake. I agree with you. He also is not a big gun advocate, and I know that uh, Kara, to her credit, is a very big Second Amendment 
uh, pro-Second Amendment. He's not. So in terms of the issues, Kara certainly has has the better issues. But, you know, you wonder, i got to talk about credibility now. I've been friends with Kara for years, and Johnny, I love her, okay? Uh, but people don't really know who she is. Now, she ran for assembly and did a really good job, got 42% of the vote in a very blue district. But you know what? They, they look at her former boxer and uh, trainer on the big loser, and that's great because, to me, that shows she's got a fighting spirit. But in terms of name recognition, in terms of credibility, how much does Kara really have in this race? In all fairness. Well, does Saprocon have any name recognition? I, I, I don't know. I mean, for some reason, those guys out there in Nassau County love them. Trust me, I speak to those guys about them. I, I think the name recognition is equal in this case, to be perfectly honest. I think if you go into the other 61 counties in the state of New York, um, I think that's one of the things that each and every one of these candidates is going to have to build up over the next uh, eight months before they end up taking on Kristen Gillibrand. So I don't look at that as an advantage for Saprocone at all. I think it's something that all three of the candidates are going to have to do. Look, I think you're going to have somebody who's a conservative warrior in Kara, somebody who actually would write about the January 6th, uh, I'm going to call them victims now, but those people that ended up going through what I think is the absurd prosecution uh, and the conditions that they were in, where you actually had so many of these people kept in prison that were requesting instead to be moved to Guantanamo Bay. She actually had the guts to highlight this when a lot of other Republicans said, you know what, this is an issue. We're not going to talk about them. We're going to let them rot away without them actually having a trial on their hands. She had the guts to do that. And Josh, by the way, Josh Eisen is somebody who's actually built successful businesses, businesses, somebody who stood with Republicans and conservatives at the exact same time when it was very, very difficult to do that. That's the kind of person that I think when you get a tough vote in the U.S. Senate, is going to come and say, you know what, I'm going to put New Yorkers first, I'm going to put Americans first, and not special interests first. That's the kind of person that I want representing the state of New York. Excellent job, Andrew. Go out there with the president, hit him straight. Uh, The MVP, just so you know, of the Trump office the last couple of days is Margot Martin. That young lady, beautiful, by the way, ended up doing 12 laps at 170 miles per hour inside a NASCAR at uh, Daytona a couple of days ago. So if you see her, let Margot Martin know she's Sid's MVP of the Trump office, okay? Yeah, the only thing she had to do, which was a little bit different, was instead of left turns, when you're with President Trump, you have to make right turns. That's the only thing you have to do. That's a little bit different. I want to be clear about that because we're on radio. I want to paint a visual. That's right. You got to make right turns. Hey, uh, give my give my best to 45. Enjoy yourself out there today. As always, Andrew Giuliani, great job, buddy. Thank you so much. Love you. And by the way, Sid, I think you're as popular in South Florida as you are in New York. I mean, you really are. Uh, I think number one worldwide, certainly number one in the great United States. You know what's weird about what you just said? It's weird you just said that because last week, John, Margo, and Chad went down to Florida. Not St. Petersburg. They were in Palm Beach. They were in Naples. And do you know the first thing John Katsimatidis texted me when he got back? He's like, oh, my God, I had no idea how popular you still are down in Florida. I said, great, go buy a station. He said the same exact thing three days ago. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's absolutely true. I had dinner with them on Friday night, and we were uh, we were you were the top of the conversation, Sid. Could you believe that? I had just played <laughs> up with President Trump a few hours before, and Sid Rosenberg was the topic of our conversation. It shows you just how you're on top of everybody's mind. <laughs> you're the best. Go out there, have fun today, buddy. Thank you so much. 
Thank you, Sid. That's the great Andrew Giuliani. He's usually on Fridays, but he's got a busy week ahead. And, of course, again, about to hit the links with 45. We'll take a short break. Hour number three starts off with Donald Trump's attorney, Alina Haba. Very simple question. Does Trump have the money or not? Alina Haba is coming up after the news. And informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. If he does not have funds uh, to pay off the judgment, uh, then we will seek, uh, you know, judgment enforcement mechanisms in court, and we will ask the judge to seize his assets. And so, at the end of the day, how he pays for the judgment is really not my business. At the end of the day, he is responsible and liable. For $363 million plus $100 million in interest. Girl by NXS. I know what you're thinking. Alina's beautiful. Okay, fine. But um, the cut I played before we started playing the song is from a lady that's not beautiful, not inside or outside. And that's the repulsive Attorney General Letitia James. The repulsive, racist Attorney General Letitia James. We're yelling and screaming that if Trump don't pay me the money, I'll go after his properties. You know, she works 
right across the street from 40 Wall, which I walk past every day. Every day, I take the train to Wall Street. I make that eight-block walk to the ferry, and I walk by 40 Wall. Told you, when I was... um when I first moved back to New York in 2017, we took an apartment, 10 Hanover Square, Fidei. And my son had all of his prescriptions filled at that Dwayne Weed, that Walgreens at 40 Wall. He still does. I mean, I live on the beach in Queens, and I still go to that building. I love that building. I, of course, I love Trump Tower, all his buildings. But now this um, this evil lady, I guess, woman, whatever you want to call her, she said, hey, he can't pay me. I'll take what I can get. But I did see Alina Hub on TV a couple of days ago, and she said he has the money. He's got the cash. So let's find out. Here she is, uh, President Trump's, one of his really great attorneys. She's been on this from day one, my friend Alina Hub. Alina, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Happy to be with you this morning. Happy to have you this morning. I'm okay. Um, our friend, you know, I, I just hung up with Andrew Giuliani, and he's playing golf with uh, 45 right now. Back on Friday, just so you know, Alina, Andrew was playing golf with the president, and the president grabbed the phone and jumped on with me and talked to me for about five minutes, and he was in a great mood. Now this, you have to understand, you know this, like an hour before the judge came down with that ruling, he knew that, he knew that, yet he's on the phone with me on Friday, yucking it up and having a great time. I said to Andrew, I go, how does he do it? And you're with the president almost every day, at least through these mm-hmm. court proceedings. How does he do it? It's unbelievable. I mean, he really is a, a fierce fighter. He's passionate and resilient, right? Like, he does it, and he really, truly is happy. He's okay, you know? I think that's the thing. They want to break his spirit. Um, it's not going to happen. And And that's unfortunate for them because that's definitely their goal. Um, you know, they're, in their minds, their world would be better if they didn't have somebody who was going to come in and hold people accountable. And that's what this is really all about. It's not about real estate. It's not about defamation. It's not about any of that. They're trying to hit him from all angles, all sides. And it's just uh, it's just not working. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> no, it's not. You're right. It's not working in the polls. It's not working in terms of his personality. But look, it's a lot of money. Let's be honest. Three fifty five for him. Yeah, it's a lot of money. It's yeah, insane. Th- yeah, three fifty five for him. Four million for Eric. Four million for Junior. Then you tack on about a hundred million in interest. Ninety seven thousand dollars a day. And don't look now, Alina. But we're right by a half a billion dollars. So the question mm-hmm. everyone has been asking for days is. Before Letitia James starts taking my friend's buildings, does he have the cash? I thought I heard you say a couple of days ago, he's got the cash. President Trump is an incredibly wealthy individual. We all know that. Um, he has a ton of cash, of course. And I'm not going to go into my client's personal finances on, on radio, but I'm going to say that the same thing I said, which is we're going to be fine. Um, it's not an issue. I think that was their design was to make it an issue. I think there's nothing more Miss James would like than to have him default and have, you know, stand outside Trump Tower and have a share, a, a sale, a short sale or something. You know, oh. she's just that's that's the uh, Trump derangement syndrome just permeating through her skin. Yeah, she's, she's so grotesque. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So so here's the thing. So you're going to appeal this and um, mm-hmm. I believe you're going to win. But but. 
Before all that, if I'm correct, again, if I'm wrong, just correct me. Uh, you still have to post that money yeah. in the next yeah. 30 days. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so you post the money, you start the appeal process, and again, I'm asking for expertise. How long could that take in an effort to get this back? Years. Years? Yeah, it depends. You know, it depends. The appellate division, the courts are backed up in general. Um, of course, we're going to try and expedite everything, but... Uh, you know, the appeals process is not a quick one. Uh, motions on appeal, appeals of trial records are, you know, 11 weeks of trial and going in and drafting that and then opposition from the other side and then a reply from our side. It's uh, it's you know, it could absolutely take a year or two years. I mean, it depends on the speed of the appellate division, but it, it it's definitely a long haul. So he's going to post over 400 Assuming he does, he's going to post over four hundred million dollars, and then have to wait maybe a year, two years, three years to win the appeal to get that money back. Mm-hmm. Ay, ay, yeah. ay. So yeah. how how frustrating? Look, you're a big time attorney, right? Big time. You're the president. You're on TV every day. You're great out there. How frustrating was it to go to court every day, Alina Habib, knowing you're a great attorney, knowing your client did nothing wrong? In fact, everybody yeah. made money, and yet knowing from day one you had no chance of winning, none. Yeah, we lost before we went into court. Um, he had granted that on summary judgment before even hearing the witnesses. Um, how frustrating is it? It's incredibly frustrating, I'll be honest with you. But... I think the mission, when you sit there and you say, oh, this is frustrating, you look at people like President Trump and you say, he's the the guy that they're after and he's not frustrated. He's fighting the fight. So I better step up and fight with him. And I think that that's it. You know, when when you're feeling exhausted, you look, you look down, you look at him and you, you, uh, you know, you see his resilience and you say, how can I even begin to complain at the injustice? So I don't complain. What I do is exactly what you said. I, I go use my voice, um, let people know what's actually going on in the courtroom. I think that's why my press conferences are important. You know, when you have a trial that people can't really see other than what the media wants you to hear and they edit it. It's important for people to understand why you're almost thrown in jail for objecting to evidence, <laughs> why you're losing, yeah. you know, things. Yeah. I mean, it's important to yeah. come out and say, OK, so never mind what the media said. Let me tell you from my mouth to your ears what is actually happening and the corruption that I'm seeing. Um, and it's it's really shocking. You know, I will say this. I've got uh, I know a lot of people that work for Trump and uh, my best friend of 47 years, Joseph Takapina, worked for Trump yeah. for nearly a year. But um, I don't remember uh, the president doing anything like he did for you. Uh, look, I've seen you outside that courtroom. Uh, I've heard the judge go after you as well. You represent yourself and Trump really great. And uh, going to that, uh, back to that event at Cipriani's back in December, mm-hmm. President Trump, in a 63-minute speech, made it his business to point out and point it right to you. What a brave soldier, how great you are. That will make you feel like a million bucks. Yeah. That was definitely one of the highlights of my career, if not the highlight. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that have this <laughs> urge to see me get fired, to see some sort of flip, some sort of turn, some sort of anger. Well, why is that? Either from well, him why or from is me. That? I think that when you're effective, um, that's what they want. It's no different than when you're successful, they want to bring you down or when you have Joe Biden in the presidency and the idea of Trump coming in scares you because you've screwed around for so long and somebody might see what you've been doing. 
you want to take them down, you know, and and I love, you know, the trolls are I call them the trolls, all the trolls from their mother's basement that, you know, are like, we're looking for an appellate lawyer. She got fired. OK, you know, this this is not, unfortunately, the drama that exists. We have drama, but the drama is from the AGs, the DAs and the BS that the deep state has brought his way. And I'm really proud to fight with him. He obviously knows how hard I fight and work. And, and he was uh, the, the fact that he was appreciative in that setting was incredibly kind and, and tells you a lot about his character. No, I love him. Uh, again, he's an hour away from getting hammered, and he knew it as well as anybody. He's on a cell phone mm-hmm. with me, mm-hmm. talking about me coming to Mar-a-Lago next month and going for lunch. I do want to uh, ask you about the, in terms of practical terms, because we're just regular people, you know. When you start this appeal, what does that mean on a daily basis? What exactly are you doing? Drafting, going through the transcript, pulling all of our favorite highlights of injustice, putting it in a methodical, clean brief for the appellate division to understand what actually happened and then attaching the actual transcript so that they can read through it themselves. And this is not a light lift. There are weeks and weeks, months and months of trial transcript. There are proceedings that happened before evidentiary rulings that need to be examined and see if there is a reversible, which we believe there are many reversible issues on appeal. It's like the judge we knew was going to do this, uh, as well as Letitia James. So what is the difference? Again, I'm asking this because I think most people are fascinated, rooting for Trump, but are ignorant when it comes to the daily operations. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between this appellate court? Why, Why would they treat this differently than the judge did? Well, I think that there was definitely political motivation in in that room. And uh, I'm not going to speak poorly about certain people and identify them, but it was very clear. I think we found out information during the proceeding that became public that showed that Um, there is no place for that in the court. And the second, you know, the first department in New York, um, we've been before, we've gone into the appellate division and we've reversed decisions by this judge. We've had good decisions by this judge. And there's a difference between an elected official who needs to run again, who's about to finish his time on the bench and go into mediation or whatever practice and wants to look like a hero versus people that are going to be on the bench until they retire permanently. And motivation, political motivation, we've seen permeate their decisions. And that's where I get infuriated, because when you take that oath as a judge, as an AG, as a DA, you're not supposed to do that. You're not not only supposed to do that, you're not allowed to do that mm. vis-a-vis our ethical rules that we commit to. Um, so, you know, I'm allowed to be an advocate for my client. That is what I'm hired to do. But if I'm a judge, it doesn't matter if Biden's in front of me or Trump's in front of me. I have to apply law to fact. And I think we've seen that there's an inability to do that sometimes in the state of New York and a lot of these states and a lot of these courts. And that's where we get concerned for the for this country as a whole, frankly, not just President Trump. What a great conversation. And wrapping this up, Alina, thank you very much as always. You're terrific. Yeah. Uh, so this uh, I've got friends of mine. They're like, oh, the, you know, he's going to have to sell everything. He's going to be on the streets. <laughs> he says buildings. He's going to be selling lemonade outside of Mar-a-Lago the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I'm like, shut up. But people are actually under the impression that he's going to yeah. be out they're selling everything to, to, to take care of this bill. Mm-hmm. And you're here to say that slow down, right? Just slow down. Slow down. President Trump is, is a very successful businessman. They wouldn't be coming after him if he wasn't. 
he's a smart guy and um and he's got good people behind him he he's built a great company and although they're trying to take it down I'd, you know they're not going to be successful at that that's all I'll say to that well, he's got a great attorney. I'll tell you that, Alina Harbour. You're terrific. You, you really are. So thank you for hopping thank on this you, morning. I'll be on again. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, sweetheart. All right, there she is. She's great. I love Alina Harbour. I love her. She was great. And uh, that was a really good conversation because she broke down some things for people who are not lawyers to make you understand easily. So, Noam, your contention earlier this morning that he's going to have to start selling off everything, uh, she spit in the face of that, just so you know. I don't think I said that he, I thought he was going to have to sell. That's exactly what you said. No. Yeah. I said. You said, uh, in an effort to pay up all this stuff, he's going to have to start selling some of his assets. I said that was one thought. That wasn't my thought. Well, it doesn't, that thought is wrong. Okay. Oh, that wasn't your thought. No. I stole it from somebody else. Oh, you did? Yeah. Who, Joe Biden? Yes. <laughs> no, just report, he reports the news. Just That's it. The That's all he does. Just the facts. No, and, and, and when Noam reports that, the reason why Noam is so good at his job is, and I'm being honest, there's a lot of folks, stupid, but a lot of folks driving around right now that think that's going to be the case. Like I said, I mean, he'll be selling lemonade outside of Mar-a-Lago <laughs> for $400 million. Right. <laughs> well, you know, people saw him selling the sneakers over the weekend, that kind of thing. Oh, my God, I bought narrative. a pair. I bought Did a you? pair. Did yeah, you really? The red ones. Yeah. How much were they? They Don't worry three. about it. Well, all right. You, you bought a pair of $200 million. If, you, if, you, if you bought, <laughs> yeah, if you bought that but but then didn't get with the new uh, outdoor uh, Rangers jersey, I'd be very I didn't, Right, I didn't get that yet. But I didn't buy the gold. I didn't buy Really, Danielle bought it for me, but she wanted to know if I wanted the gold ones or the red ones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to show up at work one day with my red Rockaway Republican sweatshirt that I'm wearing right now mm-hmm. and red Trump sneakers. It's going to look sick. I know, right, bro? Yeah. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> Did you buy sneakers, too? No. Why not? I don't treat myself. Oh, you can't, I don't, you can't afford I don't buy sneakers. accessories. Yeah. 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 $399. They I, do not, cheap. I do not, <laughs> yeah. I do not yeah. buy accessories. Yeah, if he sells, let's see, 400 bucks, it's got to sell uh, $100 million of those. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, a million. Excuse me, a million of those. No, don't forget, he's still, he's still got the trading cards. Don't forget. Yeah, we got those, too. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Take a short break. A lot more to do. Still to come, Peter King. Judge Janine Pirro and Nancy Mace. Come on, baby. You know who's number one. We'll be right back.
WABC Traffic and Transit. From the RayContina.com traffic desk, Long Island Expressway on the outbound side of New Hyde Park Road, there's an accident there. Two right lanes are going to be blocked. There's a box truck and a couple of vehicles involved in this thing, some debris on the roadway. So they're still in the process of getting this whole thing out of the way. You're backed up to Francis Lewis Boulevard. Been there now uh, for quite a while on the outbound Long Island Expressway. Belt Parkway at Rockaway Parkway, an accident with two lanes out. That's on the eastbound side. If you're on the southbound side of the eastern spur of the turnpike up by Vince, that vehicle fire tractor trailer still in the process of being cleared. And then on the Garden State Parkways, it travels southbound at 136, an accident off on the shoulder. Multi, multi-vehicle accident. It's still in the process of being all straightened out. But there is big rubbernecking northbound from at least uh, the area of uh, 135 on up. And mass transit at this point pretty much on or close to schedule. When it comes to driving a luxury all-terrain SUV, few can compare to the 2024 Defender 110 from Land Rover Edison, Land Rover Marlboro. Now available for a limited time, 3.9% APR financing for up to 60 months for qualified buyers. I'm Joe Nolan with Traffic on Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Boy, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. We've been paying tribute to the monkeys all day. Today happens to be a heavenly birthday for one of the four monkeys. Not Jones, not Nesmith, not Dolans, but Peter Tork. The real song name, is, huh? Peter, his real name is Peter Torkelson, by the way. Is that right? That, no, I made it up. No, of course, yes, it is right. Yeah, you better off going with Tork for the Hollywood. Yes. So this song in particular is one of my favorites because when you ask people last train to Clarksville... What the monkeys are talking about, no one has any idea, but I do. Because very early on in my radio career, and again, I forget, it was me and Scott Kaplan. It was circa 1999, we're down in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, we had our show syndicated twice. We were eventually traded, this is true, first radio trade ever. Traded a morning show to New York City in exchange for advertising. CBS Sportsline got to advertise their fantasy sports products. And in exchange, they sent me and Scott to do the morning show at 102.7 WNEW. I swear to God. And that station was rocking in 2000. Opie and Anthony owned this city. They were beating Stern. So we had them and Ron and Fez and Don and Mike and the radio chick. And that's how my New York radio career started 24 years ago. But the year before, we were syndicated by two different networks. One was Sports Fan Radio Network, folks like the fabulous Sports Babe, JT the Brick, and then the big one, my dear friend to this day, Joel Hollander, once we were in with CBS, actually syndicated Scott and I on Westwood One in about 70 markets. And we did something called the Party with the People Tour where we did three live shows from a bar, a restaurant, the middle of town, at all these cities, La Crosse, Wisconsin, 
Kansas City was a huge success for us. We were number three in Kansas City. Ontario, which is basically Los Angeles, not the Canadian Ontario, Vegas. And Clarksville, Tennessee. <laughs> there was one bar in Clarksville where everybody went, probably still goes. And it was named Gilligan's. And we did our radio show from Gilligan's. And I just remember looking around. It was the winter. And let me just say this. What was out of premium? Not good beer. Not buying steak. But you ready for this? Teeth. <laughs> I mean, Get nobody it. had any teeth. <laughs> we actually, it's a true story. So we're on the border of, of Kentucky. You know, by one of those uh, forts. I forget which fort it is. A big one. So we went to a strip club. <laughs> God, we did that everywhere we went. I know Danielle's in Europe. She's not listening. I can get away with this. <laughs> so we would go to strip clubs every city. So we went to a strip club in Kentucky, which is right by Tennessee, by that border, you know. And it was the same thing. All these girls had no teeth. <laughs> Just unbelievable. It makes it easy. Nicest, <laughs> nicest people in the world, mind you. They're <laughs> right. great. And you know what's funny? I remember when I got the job, there was a guy named Andrew Ashwood, and he was a program director at WQAM down in Miami years and years ago. And Scott Kaplan started his career as a producer for a very famous sports guy down there named Hank Goldberg, who was a dear friend of mine for years. He passed away a couple years ago. Hank was kind of the Mike and Mad Dog of Miami, you know. And Ashwood goes to Scott, he goes, you got to get rid of this guy, Sid. He's got this thick Brooklyn accent. What are you going to do when you're on in... And he started naming all these, you know, bum F towns all over the country. And God rest his soul, he could not be any more wrong. When we got off the plane in places like Lacrosse, Wisconsin, Clarksville, Tennessee, Abilene, Texas, it was like the Beatles were in town. They didn't know what to do for me first. They're like, you're from New York. They looked at me like it was a different planet. I swear to God. Now forget about it, but anyway, that was my Clarksville Tennessee experience, and uh, I'm never going back. <laughs> never. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Good job out of you. What do you mean? The more monkeys. Everybody loves the monkeys. Colleen Smith, Liz Rios, they all love the monkeys. What the, Now, what is this one, Lewis? Well, it's bad. You know, they're based on the Beatles. Yes. Sort of. Yes. Yeah. But the writers of the songs, plus, you know, they didn't really play their instruments as much as people think. Gotcha. The monkeys. There was well. other... So this was a, it's a songwriting duo, Tommy Boyce and uh, the guy's name, Hart. Nice. They were a big songwriting duo in the 60s. Got it. So I couldn't remember the name of that fort in Kentucky, but Colleen Smith checks in. She goes, Fort Campbell. You're exactly right, Colleen. Yes, right. My father was stationed there in the 1950s and came back to New York and became Nassau County police officer. P.S. She loves the monkeys. Say hello to my dear friend Peter King. You're the best, Colin Smith, Nassau County Police Unions. And the best, and they, this beginning of this song is what they based Last Train to Clarksville, the Clarksville on. Yeah. The beginning of the riff. You're a genius, bro. I yeah. swear to God. 
I'm a geek. I really think I want to have sex with you. And that doesn't even make me gay, I don't think, does it? And I've, it's been enough talk of this. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't see anything Well, it's been a going. couple of years since the last time, Lou. Yeah, yeah, since no. you got me drunk at Blondie's. Yeah, that's what it takes. It's not going to happen again, I don't think. So I'm out of luck. <laughs> 20 years ago, but man, that was a good night. That's what the fortune cookies have been telling me this morning. <laughs> you will continue to go a couple of more yeah. years. That's what I heard. Colleen Smith sends her best to Peter King, the great congressman and dear, dear friend of mine. Here he is for his weekly Wednesday appearance. Pete, good morning, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great, Jay. And it is great to hear from Colleen Smith. She's really a wonderful woman. She's gone through a lot. She's really a good friend. Very loyal. She is a great lady. I saw her actually at, uh, I did some golf tournament for, um, with Salgado, and it was at that very fancy castle, Ohika Castle. And, uh, yeah. she was there that day. So let me ask you, Pete, I know you listen all day, every day. Your name has been mentioned. Every story, Pete King, whether it's Ukraine, Mozzie Pillup, it doesn't matter. And now you're, uh, right smack in the middle of this New York State Senate run. Because you've got the uh, the Staten Island connection, Johnny Tobacco and those guys pumping up Cara Castronova. As far as I know, a lot of the folks out in Nassau County are pumping up Mike Sapraconi. This is in the primary to eventually take on Gillenbrand for the Senate run in New York State. Where do, where do you stand with this whole thing? I'll, I'll end up supporting Mike, but let me just make it clear. I consider Cara a good friend. I've campaigned for her. I've contributed to her. We see each other often at different events. We always find a way to talk. I think she's a real rising star within the Republican Party. And uh, it's nothing against her. Mike has been out there. He was uh, uh, looking for the congressional nomination. He works closely with Nassau County Republicans. So this, to me, it's a, it's a coin toss. But I think Joe Cairo and others are going to support Mike. I will be with Mike. But I, no matter how hard you're going to try, you'll never hear me say a bad word about Tara. I mean, she's really a... A great, a great star, yeah. apart from the fact that she was also a great boxer. No, I mean, she has everything. She has, she has the personality. She has the intelligence. I know she made a good impression when she uh, did try to get the nomination for Congress. So uh, to me, this is just, uh, you know, it's a 51-49 decision. Uh, but I, you will never get me to say anything bad about Harry at all. <laughs> no, 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 no. She loves you, and so does Tobacco, and so do why we all love you. We're just curious as uh, to where you, what about name recognition? That makes a, a big deal out there. Again, you talked about Cara, professional boxer, was on TV, news on TV, even now, dust up across the street. In terms of name recognition, does she have Sapricone beat in that area? I don't think so. Uh, Mike was uh, president of the Board of Education in Seaford, which is where I lived. Uh, she uh, also Mike is uh, was known in, uh, in education circles because of that. And as a cop, I mean, he was a cop. Every cop to me does a great job. But I've heard from any number. And this is before the Senate race even came along. From very respected police officers, some of the names you would recognize who work with Mike. He was in the transit police when Bill Bratton took over as chief, and that's the, the turnaround really began. And then, of course, Rudy came in made uh, Bratton the commissioner for the whole department. But they say that uh, Mike was an integral part of that. And some of these are very well-known guys who on their own volunteered months ago to call me to tell me what a great job Mike has done. He has a very, very successful business on an island. I mean, a multi, multi multi-million dollar security uh, business, which he sold recently. So, no, he's he's fairly well-known. And uh, he did make the rounds when he was looking for the congressional nomination. So, Mike, uh, I I would say, again, maybe that's 50-50. I don't know. But Mike does have a real... Locked in base of support from those in law enforcement. I remember the, a few years ago, Bill Bratton was on Long Island for about two hours for a whole 
symposium and meeting, and uh, the guy who interviewed him on the stage, who uh, was with him the whole night, was Mike Sapricotti. So, now, Mike is, uh, again, a good guy, uh, and again, I, I will be standing with Joe Cairo endorsing him yeah. for the nomination, but again, I, I wish Cairo the very best. Uh, hold on, because I want to continue this conversation. People up against the clock here, top of the hour, but I need you back for a couple of minutes. So, let's go to sure. break, come back with Peter King, because, yes... Mike Sapricone, I've met him. Terrific guy. In fact, I saw him at the Columbus State Parade. He was in the court with John and Margo. And he's been on this show when he ran for office last year in Nassau County. But certainly I've got um, a lot of respect. And I'm going to be honest, I'm friendly with John and Kara. So I want to see Kara succeed. So there are two or three sticking points that might make a difference for some of our voters. We'll find out with Peter King when we get back. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. We missed Kurt Cobain's birthday yesterday. That's a big one. But that um, was a great song. Is this uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana? No. It's actually, <laughs> it's not many people know. This is also another kind of ripoff of an earlier yeah. 80s song. Which one? It's this band Killing Joke, and the song's called 80s. This wow. is a slowed-down version. Basically the same song? Yeah. I'll, yeah. We can, I'll play it. Like next hour, you'll see. You love Nirvana? Yeah. There he goes again, Kurt Cobain shooting his mouth off. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, typical Seattle. You really are an idiot, you know that flipping. <laughs> Let's get back to uh, Peter King. We got Lou Dobbs and Judge Janine and Nancy Mace, a whole bunch of folks still stopping by. Peter, you know, uh, one thing that... Um, Kara did do. I want to get to Ukraine as well, but she did get 44% in a 22% Republican district the last time she ran, of course. And the one uh, issue, I guess, where she's a little different than Mike, I'm curious where you are, is uh, guns. You know, Mike is kind of anti-gun, wants to assault ban what they wants to ban assault weapons, and she doesn't want to touch the Second Amendment. Any thoughts on that? You know, I voted to ban assault weapons, so I, I really don't see the need for them, and I don't think it's a Second Amendment violation. But, yeah, again, we can have an honest debate on that. Yeah, they're not allowed in New York anyway. As far as uh, guns, I think there should be background checks 
other than that, uh, you know, if you're not a mental patient and, and you don't have a felony record, then sure, you're entitled to have a weapon, especially in New York. I mean, before, it used to be that uh, guns weren't needed as much in New York. I think among rank-and-file citizens, they are, especially if you own a small business or uh, bodega, you know, deli or something like that. But, uh, again, I think there should be background checks. Other than that, uh, to me, I, I think that is, there's no... There's no reason why people shouldn't have guns, especially those in high-crime neighborhoods. You know, just thinking, if you are 50-50, here's a thought for you. Then we'll get to Ukraine. Why not run Saproconi in the primary and then have him go out there and hopefully beat Gillibrand and maybe take Kara and put her up in Santos's old seat against Swazi come November? I, I would have no problem with that. Again, uh, I can tell you they'll be screening a lot of candidates for the so-called Santos seat. And, uh, again, I, I have urged Kara all along to stay active. This goes back before the uh, congressional Senate, uh, Senate issue even came up. I have a great regard for Kara, and that's certain, certainly something you know, that can be considered. Absolutely. Well, let's get to Ukraine. Oh, she's pro-Ukraine. I'm not. <laughs> but you are. Uh, and now, uh, since the Navalny murder, Biden has really used that as an excuse, and maybe excuse is the wrong word, to get this money out of Congress to go to Ukraine. And they're not balking because, they. to be honest, all the Congress people that I speak to, Peter, there's a bunch of them, including Nancy Mace coming on today, Ukraine is third on that list. They're behind Israel and us, put money towards the border here in the United States. What do you think happens with uh, funding to Ukraine? And are you still as high on that as you were six months ago? Well, for, yeah, absolutely. It's essential to the security of the United States. We can do both. We can secure the border. We can support Israel, and we can certainly support Ukraine because it's not interest. But we're not sending the money. Ninety more than ninety percent of it is weapons. All of a sudden, money going over there disappearing is not true. These are weapons. These are weapons being sent by the United States to Ukraine, and then we replenish them here in the United States. So it actually helps American industry. But all this talk about money disappearing and money going over there. Listen, if there's even one dollar being misspent. So far, no one's come up with it, but it's not money that's going over. It's almost entirely weapons that we are sending them, weapons that we have uh, excess of, and then we resupply them here in the United States for ourselves. And then also we have European allies who are giving weapons. They replenish their stockpiles by buying from the U.S. Now, I'm not saying this is all a, a profit for the U.S., but it's not a question of money just flying over to Ukraine. It's more than 90 percent of the aid we send is weapons. Now, and to me, it is essential that we have to stop Russia. And I'm not talking about Russia taking over the world. I'm talking about them dramatically increasing their sphere of influence in Europe. And the, the fact is that right now, every, almost every NATO uh, nation has pledged to support Ukraine. If uh, Russia wins this, then that's a defeat for NATO. And you're going to see other European countries falling into the Russian sphere whether it's the Baltic states, whether it's Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, whether it becomes part of Poland, and the same arguments being made. You know, who cares about Latvia? Let's, let's uh, yeah. take care of America first. Right. America first movement began in the 1930s, turned out to be a colossal failure, and it led to World War II. And George Santayana, the great historian, said, those who forget them fast are forced to relive it. Well, that's true. Uh, I stand corrected, by the way. Saprakoni is pro-Ukraine. Kara is anti-Ukraine. In fact, she's anti-war, period. Her father died. He was a Vietnam vet. Uh, so right. let me get to Israel now. 
And uh, look, uh, you know how I feel, Peter. I'm adamant about it every day. Part of the reason why I think people in Israel appreciate me is because from day one, I've been telling the truth. Day one. I mean, I didn't wait two or three months to talk about what the women were going through. I didn't wait two or three months to talk about really what a backstabbing son of a bitch Joe Biden is when it comes to this particular conflict. He has not been on Israel's side dating back to his days with Barack Obama. Where are you now with that, Hamas? Israel war. I am 1,000% with Israel. I've been with Israel since I went to Congress. I went there my first year in Congress in 1993. I've been there many times. I support Netanyahu. I, uh, to me, it's absolutely essential, morally, geographically, strategically, tactically, every possible reason for us to stand with Israel. To me, there is no moral comparison at all. To me, when people talk about uh, having a ceasefire, a ceasefire means giving in to Hamas, and they are evil. To me, the only way Israel can ever be secure until every person in Hamas is killed. This is, to me, there's no, there's no backing off this at all. And it's terrible when Joe Biden says things like yeah, that uh, Israel is overreaching or some of the uh, you know, profane terms used yep. against Netanyahu. Yep. Netanyahu is a great ally of the United States, and uh, Israel is a great ally of ours. We have to stand with them. And uh, listen, if, if Israel wasn't there, now I'm talking very strategically here. If Israel wasn't there, we'd have to be there. Israel, in many cases, does the tough work that the United States should be doing, and they protect us. They have a counterweight against Iran. Plus, they're the only democracy in the Middle East. And go back to the moral uh, component, ever since the Holocaust and probably before, but certainly since the Holocaust, we have a moral obligation to stand with Israel. Well said, Peter King. As always, excellent, excellent appearance. Great having you on, as always, every Wednesday. I love you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sid. My man, Pete King, right there on a variety of topics, Israel, Ukraine, Russia, and this big New York State Senate race. That really wraps up hour number three. Still two more hours to go with three great guests, Nancy Mace, Lou Dobbs, and coming up next, the outspoken Judge Janine Pirro. Noam's got the news. Then you get Janine, baby. She coming up. Friends in the morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. This is a top to, uh, you know, what we use on stage, but it's very, very special because if you can see, yeah. the numbers all go to 11. Look, right across the board. Oh. 11, oh, 11, and most of 11, and then amps go up to 10. Exactly. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't it? It's not 10. You see, most most blokes are going to be playing at ten. You're on ten here, all the way up, all the way up, yeah. all the way up. You're on ten on your guitar. Where can you go from there? Where? 
I don't know. Nowhere, exactly. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to 11. 11, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. Rob Reiner and Christopher Guest, Spinal Tap. That came up earlier in today's show. Lou Rufino's, I, I got to tell you, man, I get a lot of credit for the show being the monster that it is, and it is a monster, number one. Even Mark Levin talked about it for an hour the other night. And while I deserve all the credit, all of it, I, I have to give uh, some. <laughs> I, I knew he's only going to be, what's the percentage? <laughs> I got to give some credit to Lou. I just, <laughs> Justin and Noam and... You, but you really are great. You really are. You sound, but you know we're working till 11 today, right? We, we're working till 11 today? Right. Okay. I'm wondering if you're going to get it at some point <laughs> yeah. in the next minute. No, I know. Uh, okay. Listen, I got bad news for Brian Kilmeade, who I love dearly. And I always say that Janine is the best talent at Fox. She is. I love Jesse. I love Brian, obviously. But uh, I think the ratings have been so great the last two days in the 10 o'clock hour. And uh, I'm Sid Rosenberg, sounded like Donald Trump, and I do approve this message. They've just been fantastic, terrific, out of this earth. So I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know. we got a lot of ratings issues. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of things to fix, Sid. You know, we're going to fix them. We're going to fix them. we got a road ahead. we got a lot of bad numbers ahead now. We're going to have some good numbers. Talking about great it. ratings, the five, every week that five gets them. And, of course, she's on Sunday morning, I love her. Judge Janine Pure, I've got a huge crush on Janine for years. Janine, good morning, sweetheart. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I mean, better than our friend is these days. I, wow. You know, he's still out there playing golf this morning with Giuliani, and he's laughing and having a great time, but he needs to come up with about $450 million, uh, literally, literally, over the next couple of weeks to post before the appeal process even starts. Yeah, and, you know, that's what's so amazing about the whole thing. Since when do you have to post the judgment uh, money in order to appeal? Look, Letitia James stands ready now to seize Donald Trump's assets. Everybody's shaking your boots. But here's the problem. A woman like that, with the power that she has, and a judge, Angeron, has the ability to basically strip down someone of all their assets. And that's basically what happened. And I'm not going to go over the whole thing again, except that there was no fraud. There is no victim. They didn't make, they didn't miss a payment. There was no uh, default on anything. All the covenants were met. And they were considered a top tier, the Trump organization, a top tier uh, uh, platinum organization that banks wanted to loan money to because banks made billions, hundreds of billions of dollars. But that's not the issue anymore. We've entered a, a, a twilight zone that is so crazy, Sid, that they literally will take your money away if they can't jail you immediately. And then you've got this guy, this idiot Biden, who's out there saying, uh, his people are saying, we're not going to debate Trump. We don't want to give Trump an opportunity to lie. And Joe Biden, every time he opens his mouth, he lies. I mean, you know, I mean, think about it. How did he win the presidency? It basically said that his son's laptop was Russian disinformation after Anthony Blinken got 51 so-called intel officers to say that. And Blinken admitted it afterwards. 
And now, you know, uh, we realize that he might he would not have won the election had people had that information. And now Joe Biden, he's now saying, you know what? Well, I never got any money from communist China. No, no member of my family did. And by the way, the uh, special prosecutor brought up my son. Bo and uh, what he did. And, you know, my son Bo died in Iraq. No, he died in the hospital. <laughs> you know, every time he opens his mouth, he lies. And they're saying, we don't want to give Donald Trump a platform to debate Joe Biden. That's because Joe Biden can't put two sentences together. Every time the guy shows up on television, I have an anxiety attack. <laughs> I'm worried whether or not he's going to fall down. Is he going to keel over? He looks like a deer in the headlights. It's like nobody's home here. Nobody's home, but I am a world leader. But other than that, what was your question? <laughs> that was a perfect answer. You know, um, I was telling a story that uh, Giuliani's playing golf with Trump today. So last Friday, he played golf with Trump. He plays golf with Trump every week. So um, yeah. he calls me from the golf course, and he goes, hold on. Somebody wants to say hello. And the next voice I heard on the phone on Friday was the president, Trump, you know. How you doing, Sid? Good to talk to you, Sid. How's everything there? And during the conversation, we, we talked about Andrew Giuliani's golf game. He told me how great I am on the radio. You're number one and how he's excited. Yeah, I'm yeah. coming to Mar-a-Lago in a couple of weeks. But he did find time during that short uh, cell phone conversation on the golf course to hammer Biden and talk about the fact that the Democrats are going to cheat. Let me play this for you. This was your okay. colleague Laura Ingram last night, Greenville, South Carolina, town hall, because Trump said the same thing to me on a cell phone just four days ago, and I want to get your thoughts. Lewis, Trump okay. number five. If you have mail-in voting, you automatically have fraud. If you have Okay, well, there's mail-in voting in Florida, That's and right. you won huge. That's right. If you have it, you're going to have fraud. But you want. Because you don't have any. When you go into a voting place, like you go into one in a, in a properly run state, they look at you, they give you give voter ID, you give all sorts of identification. I mean, it would be very hard to cheat in a mask up. When you send out millions, like California, I think they sent out 36 million ballots. They don't have a voting booth in the whole place. And then millions of ballots yeah. come back. Nobody knows where they're coming from. Right, but what are you going to do about it? So, the way you win is by swamping them. So let me tell you this. Not only is this on Trump's mind, but I've got a ton of friends and family who love Trump, but they're nervous they're going to rig this again. What do you say? Well, first of all, I mean, you know, the idea of mail-in voting, I mean, it has to be monitored in some way. But there is some truth to the fact that it is vulnerable to people, you know, impacting it differently. And, you know, as opposed to going into a uh, a poll and going in and voting there. But you've got to be careful about this mail-in voting because you don't know who actually is voting. So it presents a more difficult scenario in terms of being able to monitor how those ballots are coming in, who are they coming in from, who has collected them, who is actually voting. You know, so there are a lot of issues that are not there when you can actually go into a voting booth and you have to show ID and you have to, you know, make sure and sign that the signature is the same. But that's not the worst scenario. The worst scenario is a scenario where you can go in and just register to vote on the same day that you vote or go in and vote in three states states in one day, like New York and Pennsylvania and Connecticut. I mean, there are a lot of opportunities for fraud. 
And mail-in voting presents one of them. But in the end, I mean, we've got to at some point recognize that we have to get a grip on this or we're never going to be satisfied with who won an election. And and so from my from my point of view, I mean, it presents problems that, that going in and voting doesn't present. These are next two names for me, Sid Rosenberg, or even in terms of my dislike. And um, I guess a Republican detractor. To me, they're even. I'm interested to see how you feel. Who's worse, Joe Biden or Nikki Haley? (laughs) Well, first of all, you know, that's an interesting question. You know, the first thing you want to say is Joe Biden, because he's destroyed this country. I mean, already 7.2 million illegals in this country where he's like, uh, you know, uh, you know, the borders are secure. Don't worry about it. (laughs) But in the end, uh, he can't say much. So, you know, you have to say to yourself, oh, yeah, how much of a danger is he? Nikki Haley uh, is a is a smart woman. I don't know what she's doing. Uh, I don't know why she's doing it. She doesn't have a chance to win. I think that she's going to get, we all know she's going to get crushed in South Carolina or her own state. The people who know her best are rejecting her and voting for Donald Trump instead of her uh, by a two-thirds majority. And so you say to yourself, why is she doing it? She's doing nothing but helping the Democrats. In this Republican primary, all she's doing is destroying the the uh, the, the Republican uh, candidate for president. And you have to wonder, how dangerous is a woman like that? Is her ego that big? Does she really believe what she's saying? Is she being paid to say all this, you know, by the big money people who don't like Donald Trump? Because in the end, she's going nowhere. The Democrats will applaud her. They'll say, isn't it wonderful? Nikki Haley's so smart. But they'll t- throw her to the curb as soon as this Republican primary is open. She's got no future. The only future she's got, Sid, is she's thinking, well, maybe if Donald Trump doesn't end up running, you know, I'll be the woman standing because I got rid of all the fellas. You know, um, you know uh, she doesn't uh, impress uh, me at all. Nope. I think she's just a destroyer. Agreed. Uh, this uh, one more, then I want to get to this story that uh, has caught your interest, and now that I've read it, has caught mine, too, about a high school basketball game. Yeah. But... um. I want to ask you about uh, Navalny. You know, they tried to kill this poor bastard for years. They poisoned this guy like every week, this poor guy. And they got it done. All right, Putin killed him. I mean, you had to see Joe Biden and Kamala Harris like they're Sherlock freaking Holmes. Putin killed him. Oh, wow. That is, that, let me tell you, that is great policing, guys. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you two morons. So, yeah, so he's dead. And now, of course, uh, Trump doesn't care. And Trump is busy comparing himself to Navalny. And again, you know, I don't know what's going to happen here between us and Russia. We're promising these big time sanctions coming down on Friday. What that means, I don't even know. But for you, this Navalny death, how big is that in the big scheme of things? Well, honestly, you know, it's just us looking at Russia and saying, you know, thank God we live in America and we don't have a leader who's killing people. I mean, in the scheme of things, I don't know that it affects us all that much. And, you know, I'd be curious. Yeah, I wonder, by the way, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if you were interviewed Vincent Forster right before the bullet entered his brain, you would have said the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You mean the guy who had the rug fibers on the back of his jacket and yeah. killed himself in the woods? Yes. I know that guy. I know who you mean. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, 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 the issue, of course, is that, uh, you know, Joe, uh, Joe Biden in, in the sanctions, the last time he did sanctions against Russians, 
other than the Russian, uh, uh, w- the Russians who gave his son money. I know that there were some people who had given Hunter money that, unfortunately, they forgot to sanction. So I'm not surprised with that. I think, it, by the way, I think it was the mayor of Moscow's wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a, she was a widow. She gave Hunter, I think, a million or three million. I'm not sure what it was. Who knows for what? But uh, yeah, and they decided not to sanction her. I guess they forgot. You know, they're busy doing other things. And you know, people are talking about the death of Naval, uh, Navalny, and I just want to skip for a second and just say I'm more worried about the death of Americans who are being killed by illegals. I'm worried about illegals going after law enforcement and people who are uh, in this country with authority and uh, police officers and viral videos going out where the world is seeing that the illegals from Venezuela can beat the hell out of our police, that our migrant shelters that you and I are paying for are filled with illegality and violence, and yet we're giving $10,000 credit cards to these illegals, and then after they come out of jail, we, we pay for them to have food and shelter. This is a bunch of nonsense. And so, you know, talk about Navalny all you want, but the more pressing issue for Americans is the fact that these illegals are being put in a position above Americans, above the minority community. Everyone is being subjugated to them, whether you're a veteran, whether you're brown or black, whether you uh, uh, are relying on the government for support, these illegals have priority over you, and they have emptied out the Venezuelan jails, and we know it because they're beating up cops left and right. And you know whose fault that is? That's Joe Biden, Eric Adams, and Alvin Bragg in New York, where that video went viral around the world, where they're laughing. They're taking down police. They don't hesitate in these migrant shelters to start beating up police officers who are going in there to try to settle the uh, uh, create some peace in there. So, you know, I'm not as worried about Navalny as I am about Americans. Such a great answer. I feel the same way. I swear to God I do. That's such a great answer. You may as well throw Mallorcas and Harris in that mix, too, make it the five of them. But you're exactly right. Okay. As my uh, old friend Larry King would say, Dateline, Massachusetts. Here's the story, folks. (laughs) High school basketball game is abandoned after trans player, listen to this, injures three female opponents with shocking video showing the biological male hurling an athlete to the floor. So you got a, a girls basketball game in Massachusetts. There's a guy out there who says he's a girl. They let him play, and he starts beating up girls all over the court? Yeah. Well, this is symptomatic of what's going on with this transgender nonsense. Uh, you've got uh, women being basically destroyed in sports. Women's sports is going to be something of the past. You've got the trans swimmers, you know, the guys who can't win in their own team, on their own lane, who decide that they want to become women and then beat all the women. We also had a very dangerous scenario. I think it was, I don't know if it was hockey or it was some other game where this guy literally took out a woman's jaw and her teeth. I think it was a hockey game. Oh, my God. Yeah, and in this basketball game in Massachusetts, you got a trans player injuring three female basketball players. They had to stop the game. This is what's happening in America today, and I'm tired of this trans nonsense. I think half of these people are nuts. 
and women's sports is going by the wayside and women are being destroyed because look the bottom line is men are stronger than women you can call yourself a woman take some hormones and i don't even know who's monitoring whether you're really a woman or you're a trans woman or you know at what point you become a trans woman but they're destroying females and they're injuring them and we've got to stop it we we just have to but we live in a in a country right now where the left and backed by the White House and Joe Biden and all this crazy nonsense are just saying, you know what, you know, let these men, they really want to be women. You know, they have this gender dysphoria. They need help. Baloney, you got gender dysphoria, go into therapy and work it out. There you go. So my question, so let me ask you this then, because, again, I'm with you a thousand percent. What a great conversation. But I think uh, the average person feels like because it's the left philosophy, it's a Dem philosophy, it's not ours, that if Donald Trump wins, all this stuff is going to be fixed. And the truth is, those are unfair expectations because he could win, and he feels just like you and I do, by the way, Janine. But guess what? There's still maybe men playing women's sports. Yeah, and, you know, you've got a lot of legislation and a lot going on right now behind the scenes in terms of changing regulations, legislation in individual states, some in the counties, where they're trying to make it law that something is done the way they want it, and if you try to change the law, that is a violation of the law. I mean, there's crazy stuff going on right now. Donald Trump will be able to change a lot of things, but there are certain laws and certain legislators, uh, legislatures, where you know they have a predominant do- uh, Democrat uh, vote, and they're not going to change a lot of this stuff. Yeah. But just like Joe Biden changed his country with his leftist progressive nonsense, I think Donald Trump it will go a great way in getting this country back on track. There's no one else that can do it. I mean, if you can't see the strength of this man based upon them literally taking away his money, then uh, you're blind. And I'm tired of the left. And by the way, the left is now starting with, you know, Russia collusion again. And yep. Putin got on Trump. It's a bunch of nonsense. Nonsense. You've got to fight the fight. Fight the fight. He's the right guy and you're the right woman. I missed you last week. You came back this week with a vengeance. You were awesome. You always are. I'll be watching you at 5 o'clock this afternoon, listening Sunday morning. I love you to pieces, Janine. Thank uh, you. Yes. Thank you, and I'm also hosting Jesse Waters' show tonight, so tune in. Oh, you are? 8 o'clock? All right. I'll be watching for sure. See you later. All right, Janine. See you later. That's awesome. Janine Pirro hosting for Jesse tonight, 8 o'clock on uh, Fox News. She's great on TV. First of all, she looks great. She's a very pretty lady, and she's got a set of balls, and she's tough. She's the only person that yells at Harold Ford Jr. (laughs) We'll take a short break. Still to come, Lou Dobbs. And Nancy Mace, keep it right here. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends.
you want to get a camera right now or a tape recorder inside the war room at WOR where Tom Cuddy just walked up to Mark Simone and said, well, your show starts at 11 today. And Mark goes, what do you mean? He said, well, they're keeping sit on till 11, so no one's listening to you. So all these uh, years of your great way, and I love Mark Simone. I like him. He, him and I are friends, legitimate friends. We go out for dinner. He's part of my monthly man dinner crew with Keith Kantrowitz, who I'll see tonight, and Anthony Carone, and all my guys, Kemper, even the mayor. But uh, no one is listening to Simone this week. Nobody. Uh, you got me from 10 to 11, then you have Curtis. So, well, you got a big show in short <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no one's leaving this. I got Nancy Mace coming up. I got Lou Dobbs coming up. I got great music. You're going to laugh. It's either that or listen to Mark talk about some dinner he had last night with some 93-year-old socialite at the Harvard Club talking about Copy Hochul's prostate. Well, let's see what we got today. Let's see now. Right now. Got a lot to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Folks, it is time for my... <laughs> 10.05 every day. Wasn't that, oh, that was it. And it was always something like new that he did with his iPhone. That was yeah. always a big one. Yeah, it's another big one. You're yeah. right. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Oh, good tune, Louis. Man, you were on fire today. Lou Dobbs. It was a great show. Louis, 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 Louis. Three to four every Sunday, and you hear his business reports on my show as well. He's the real deal. Louis, Sid, how are you, buddy? Welcome back. Thank you so much, Sid. Uh, great, to, great to talk with you. Great to talk with you, too. Are you in Florida? No, I'm in uh, Sussex, New Jersey right now. Oh, Sussex, New Jersey. Okay, because you have a uh, – I still have my old Boca Raton uh, area code on my phone, so <laughs> I was curious. Well, no, that's, uh, we, have a, we have a place down there as well. Oh, you do? Are you in Boca? Uh, no, we're, uh, yeah, we're in uh, West Palm. West Palm. Okay, very good. Well, Lou, it's good to have you back. I'm going to have to take a break relatively quickly, and I want to keep you on because there's so much to talk to you about, but I want to start quickly – with Bidenomics. Now, look, this is your field. It's not mine, okay? But I'm a guy in this country. I make a decent amount of money, decent amount of money, and I never have money at the, at the end of my two-week paycheck. <laughs> it just it seems to go everywhere but in my bank account, and interest rates are a mess. People can't buy houses. They can't borrow money. Inflation is still way too high. You know, Biden brags about how inflation's down. It's still almost double what it was under Donald Trump. So I'm trying to figure out where Bidenomics is working, where this economy looks good. Can you help me? Sure. I, I, if you work for the government, uh, jobs are being created. It's it's terrific. Uh, if you're uh, if you're an illegal immigrant coming into the country, gonna, <laughs> Eric Adams is going to write you a check for fifteen thousand dollars. Ah, no, no, he'll give you a debit card. It's easier. Uh, we can go on, but that's where the economy is right now. And we've got an economy that right now we're spending more to pay for our debt than we pay for the uh, Department of Defense each year. Uh, We are upside down now. 
When you say upside down now, again, Lou Dobbs is on three to four every Sunday. He does a great show. I love Trump. I love him to death. I'm going to go see him in two weeks. And, uh, you know, you, you couldn't be more enthusiastic than I am about President Trump. But as far as I know, he didn't exactly cut down on the deficit either. Now, he had issues with COVID and all that. I get it. But it's not just Biden. It seems like we've been adding to this deficit for a very, very long time. Is that not accurate? Well, it's it's accurate. Uh, the fact is that it's taken us uh, quite a while to get to this position. We're at $34 trillion in national debt. We're looking at uh, now $2 trillion deficits, and this is entirely on Biden. This isn't a... Uh, uh, this isn't just a, a, a remains of the Trump administration. Uh, people forget, uh, I hope not too many of them forget, uh, that President Trump brought this economy to the highest level yep. it had been in decades. Yep. Real wages went up under uh, President Trump. Uh, real wages are now declining under Trump. The labor, the, the unemployment rate looks good because why wouldn't it? People are leaving the labor force. Uh, and I mean by by the hundreds of thousands, and that's why the interest rate rate, the excuse me, the unemployment rate is where it is today, and interest rates are going right through the roof. We have had sustained inflation. We are on the verge, it seems to me, of approaching hyperinflation if uh, we do not, uh, if we're not careful. Wow! Because this is uh, we're looking at, uh, as I said, when you start talking about two trillion dollars in deficits and spending a trillion dollars on debt service, uh, you're you're in trouble, and yeah. that you is you and me, yeah, and everybody no. else. Yeah, me and you. So when we get back, I want you to really define for the audience what hyperinflation is. I also want to talk about your big speech coming up at CPAC with Trump and everybody else. Let's take a quick sure. break. We'll come back with the great Lou Dobbs. Does a terrific show, 3 to 4, every Sunday afternoon. Here is business reports all morning long, including on my show, the great Lou Dobbs. Uh, he'll be right back, I should say. Nothing bad, it was good. Lulee had the basket good. When it took a home to Mama and Papa, Louie knew just where it stood. Is Sid and friends in the morning from our friends 77 WABC.
Lou Dobbs, Hall of Fame band, Dire Straits, and Mark Laffler. Money for nothing. Money for nothing and your chicks for free. What? Great song. Lou Dobbs, every Sunday, 3 to 4, all morning long. Lou, you mentioned before we broke there, hyperflation, hyperinflation. It sounds awful. What exactly is that? Well, it's it's the continued erosion of buying power for all consumers. Uh, that means that the the prices are not only going up, which automatically reduces that buying power, but we start to see an acceleration in the velocity of inflation, uh, which means it gets uh, really bad really quickly. Uh, and what we're looking at right now, Sid, we're, everybody who goes to the grocery store knows this. Everybody who's uh, buying any uh, kind of uh, food product. Uh, this is, uh, we were looking at double digit increases in the core inflation rate. Now, I love this about the, you know, the federal government. The federal government has this thing they call the core rate. They like to take that out because that's food, that's shelter, that's, right. that's gasoline, that's energy, uh, everything you really need to live. But everything else is fine. <laughs> but the stuff you need to live, uh, you know, we're having a little problem. A little problem. So tell me this, that nasty, dirty R word that I Uh mentioned quite a bit last year between you and Larry Kudlow, Monica Crowley, and Charlie Gasparino and Sana, all of you, that R word kept coming up, recession. We haven't gotten there yet, but uh, is it fair to assume that it's going to happen in 2024? Well, honestly, I wasn't calling for a recession. Uh, And I said we had to be prepared for a recession. But I didn't say we were going to have a recession. Uh, Chase Manhattan Bank said we're going to have a recession. All the major. uh, Jamie Dimon, who runs the joint, says his people should have been a little more accurate. Uh, uh, You know, first of all, there's an old expression, you know, uh, five out of uh, the uh, last uh, eight uh, non-recessions were predicted by the economist. It's hard to, to get to that point. Yeah. What we are looking at right now, I think, is an economy uh, that is being driven by ever higher prices. We've got so much money coming. I mentioned the federal debt. Uh, That is just its like uh, throwing fuel on a fire, Uh, all of that federal spending. uh, It's extraordinary. And that's where inflation is really mounting. Uh, I know Joe Biden likes to talk about the grocery stores are trying to kill everybody and they're price gouging, which and he's going to put in price controls. I mean, that's the talk of a totalitarian, uh, you know, it really is. So So what? Yeah. Uh, But he's wrong. And it's just where we are. And and we've got this. We've got to scale back federal spending. We just have to do it. Uh, and I mean, not to the point we lose jobs, but certainly to bring this economy into balance. Well, how do you do it? If, uh, you said not to the point where we, we cause people jobs. How do you do it? Well, I think the first thing you do is bring this government under control. Uh, we are looking at a government with two million people working for, working for the federal uh, for the Defense Department. We've got millions of people tied to the federal government yeah and nobody knows what they do (laughs) they're they're not delivering any more services than there ever were the border patrol for crying out loud we don't need them because we got 15 million illegal immigrants that have come (laughs) in since joe biden took the presidency what was the border patrol doing for crying out loud you know rolling around a welcome wagon i mean come on these people who needs them you're right. I mean, no, it's going to put them on the border. What the heck are we spending money for? <laughs> you're right. And, you know, you talked about uh, Eric Adams writing checks. And then now we'll just give him credit cards, make it easy. So with all the issues going on in New York City, 
and taxpayers like me and you, Lou, paying for these people to live here, which I really had enough of. Like, I'm pissed personally. I've had enough of it. So you would think that New York would do everything they can in their power to keep millionaires and billionaires paying taxes and doing yeah. business here in New York. But between this racist, disgusting uh, uh, District Attorney Alvin Bragg and this repulsive racist AG Letitia James, what they're doing to Donald Trump is going to force people like that out of here. How does that make any sense? It makes no sense. But again, you've got to remember where Letitia James and Alvin Bragg get their money. They get their money from the government, and they get the money from the uh, from the taxpayer, yeah. and they get the money from whatever else. But the fact is, uh, by the way, I, I left George Soros out of the equation. He also sends money. Uh, but yes, he does. They don't have to worry about the economy because they're got a, they've got a job, and they have got power, and they are running it. They these Marxist Dems are just uh, you know they're out of their minds, and they don't care. That three hundred and fifty-five uh, million dollars uh, is going out of this, uh, going out of the state. And by the way, that's going to get reversed. These people are going to get uh, slapped down by Good. the higher courts Good. because it's it's ignorance, it's it's bigotry, it is absolute Marxist uh, hate. And uh, we, we got, people have got to get a hold of themselves here. I mean, <laughs> what in the world is this all about? <laughs> it's crazy. You mentioned George Soros, his son, Alex, who is now dating Huma Aberdeen, who was once oh, married yeah. to Anthony. <laughs> he may be more dangerous. I don't know. He's got, a, he's got all his father's money and about 90 trips to the White House. And who the hell knows? But um, on the way out, Lou, <laughs> <laughs> a big weekend for, uh, for CPAC. I know uh, our friend, the president, is going to speak. And I think our friend, Carrie Lake, is going to speak right after President Trump. You're going to speak too it's a big deal tell me and the listeners about your big speech coming up at cpac well uh i'm going to be right after carrie lake uh oh, wow. at cpac and we're going to be talking about what the nation is facing i'm going to offer up a perspective i think uh, that uh, will be uh, i think interesting to to most folks and we're going to have a heck of a time uh, i'm going to keep my uh, what i'm going to say uh, under wraps for a while but Good. Uh, it's it's a wonderful convention of like-minded conservatives who are really great patriots trying to do their very best for this country. People have to understand we're in a fight. Uh, and uh, I have to say that the Democrat Party is no longer the opposition party to the Republicans. The Democrat Party is now the enemy. And make no mistake about it. They are Marxist. They are destroying this nation, and that is not hyperbole or sensationalism. That is an absolute fact. When you strip the protection of the 2,000-mile border from the Border Patrol, allowing 15 million people, don't tell them where they're going, what they're doing. They're not vetted. Uh, and we have a government that uh, is more worried about uh, Ukraine, uh, oh, Syria. Please, what, please. what are we doing with troops in Syria and Jordan, please. for crying out loud? I agree. Uh, you yeah. know, President Trump said, you know, we need a modest foreign policy. We look like the biggest uh, bullies in the, in, in the world. Uh, dropping our troops into whatever, every yeah. conflict in the yeah. in the Middle East, anywhere else. Couldn't agree more on what we're doing to uh, us in Israel a couple of weeks ago. I'm a proud Jewish kid from Brooklyn. What Biden does to Netanyahu every day is uh, almost a war crime. 
And uh, even oh. Navalny, I mean, God bless him, paid, you know, courageous guy, God bless him, but I'm sick of hearing about Navalny. we got bigger issues here in our country, and all that's going to do is uh, is make us give more money to the Ukraine, which I think should have stopped a long time ago. But regardless, uh, we are very lucky to have you here at this station, Lou Dobbs. I'm proud of you. I'm glad you're going to speak at CPAC this weekend. Have a great speech and come back on this show very soon, buddy. Thank you so much. You're, you're a pal, and you're great. Thanks so much, Seth. Thank you, Lou Dobbs. That's my man, Lou Dobbs. He is one of the smartest guys, I mean it, in the country. He's a brilliant economic mind, and he's on the right side of every issue. Lou Dobbs. We'll get uh, Noam going with the news in this special bonus hour. And then Nancy Mace is going to tell us how in the world she's a congresswoman in South Carolina and is not voting for Nikki Haley. How is that, or endorsing, I should say, how is that possible? We'll find out from Nancy coming up. Money for nothing. Come on. Oh, chicks for free. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Come on, Louis. Oh, yeah. Okay. Microwave oven. <laughs> Is Sid and friends in the morning. 77 WABC. The local rock group down the street is trying hard to learn their song. Serenade the weekend squire just came out to mow his lawn. Waiting on Nancy Mace. There's a lot going on in the world today, so she could be in a number of places. Hey, by the way, folks, you know, I'm going to hold this up here. This is my book, and it is called Citizens United. Took a year old at this point, my second book. My first book, You're Wrong and You're Ugly. But you can buy this book. Boy, pretty impressive, the advanced praise on the back. Bill O'Reilly, Miranda Devine. Chaz Palminteri, Craig Carton. <laughs> you can buy this book right now at the WABC store. And they got all kinds of cool stuff in there, too. They've got great sit in the morning, uh, sit in friends in the morning sweatshirts and T-shirts and coffee mugs for every show. If you're a fan of Curtis or Greg Kelly or John and Rita, no matter who it is, they've got some very, very cool stuff. Plenty of books, too. I mean, you got John's book, you got my book. I'm sure you've got Janine Pirro's book. So again, you find out the um, the link is in the description for the book. But go to the WABC Radio store and buy yourself Citizens United. Not just the book, which you can get anywhere. You can go to Amazon and get that. But here you get the autographed copy. How about that? I'll hang that up above. You know what I'm saying? Just yeah. And uh, I guess I'll personalize it to whatever you want me to say. So really? that's, a mis- that's a mistake. That's, yeah. Well, <laughs> I was told I was going to do that. Yeah, so. you, no, no, no. You should retract, <laughs> you should retract that off. Well, why? Can you imagine the requests that would come in? And... 
So know. what? What do you think they're going to say? No, it's got to be worth more probably if you do <laughs> yeah, that. I'm That's sure. Probably it, a good well, I haven't seen the price. Extra, right, an extra yeah. twenty dollars. <laughs> yeah, I'm, personalized. I haven't seen it. So mm. anyway, that is uh, that's going on right now at the store at WABC. <laughs> Radio.com. You're stupid. Stop calling. I know how to do this. Stop calling. If you knew what you were doing, you'd be here. That's right. That's how it goes. So Trump, we'll get back to Trump here. Lou Dobbs has talked about speaking at CPAC coming up. Trump spoke in Greenville, South Carolina last night. He spoke on television, actually. He was uh, there with Laura Ingram, Fox News, the town hall. And he discussed a variety of issues. But, of course, the biggest issue of all is this ridiculous fraud fine that he uh, has to post in the next 30 days, which is upwards when you combine his penalty with his two sons and the interest, but a half a billion dollars. Half a billion, not million, half a billion. Here was Donald Trump on Fox News last night, Lewis, cut number 18, comparing himself to Navalny. It is a form of Navalny. It is a form of uh, communism or fascism. Uh, The guy's a nut job. I've known this for a long time, and I've said it openly. Uh, No jury, no anything. Uh, Letitia James's horrible attorney general in New York campaigned on, I will get Trump, I will get Trump. We went through a trial. It turned out we're totally innocent on everything. And he fined me $355 million plus interest and other things. 355. And what we did, in fact, my, my financial statements were conservative. Everybody made money. There was no victim. The bank gets up and says, we love this guy. I mean, they, they love him. He paid back the loans. 100%. So he was in South Carolina, of course. Saturday night is the next primary. He's taken on Nikki Haley from the great state of South Carolina and getting railed. I mean, drilled in her own state by as many as 30 points. You heard what I said yesterday. I'm not going to repeat it. But I did use the word rectum. (laughs) That's all you need to know. So he mentioned um, Nikki Haley, did my friend Donald Trump, talking about how she's getting hammered in her own state. This is Donald Trump, cut number seven. She's losing it big. big. I mean, really, uh, I said big Lee and big Lee. (laughs) She's losing it big Lee getting hammered bigly, according to uh, to Donald Trump. He also talked about the possibility of a debate against Joe Biden. I want to see it. You want to see it. I don't think the Democrats and Biden want to see it. But here's Trump, number six. I'll do it right now on your show. I'll challenge him right now. And I, we can do you. You can do anybody you want. I, I'll take anybody from uh, CNN, which is doing very poorly in the ratings, by the way, as you probably know. <laughs> I, I, I'll take anybody because I think you have an obligation in this case. You really have an obligation to debate. When it came to the Republicans, you know, I was up by 40, 50, 60 points, like being up on her. Uh, I think a poll just came out. I'm at 91 and she's at seven. And would you debate? You want to be smart. You don't have to waste your time doing so. But that would be instructive to see you versus Biden on any given topic. Regardless of poll numbers, I'm way up on him now in the polls. And frankly, I think we have an obligation. When you have the final Republican, the final Democrat, you have the two people you have to debate regardless of How many debates would you commit to? As many as necessary. I would like to do it starting now. I don't think he's going to debate, though. I really don't think so. I mean, we had a debate where he, at the end of the debate, 
He admitted I was right about almost everything, <laughs> but in particular on energy. Do you remember? I said, I feel like Perry Mason, the way you just collapsed. Uh, and he admitted everything about energy, and that's what actually happened, and that's why your energy costs went up three and four times. I mean, we had a dollar eighty-seven, and he was up to five, six, seven dollars, and that's going to happen immediately after the election. Let's not even talk about if he wins. We can't allow it to win. We're not going to have a country left. So you know who else is scared to death of a Trump Biden debate? Now you guessed it, the witches, the wenches, on the View. Oh, they don't want to see that. No. This is courtesy of The View on ABC Channel 7. Cut number nine discussing the potential of a Trump-Biden debate. I just, you know, I don't think I need to see someone (laughs) who has been twice impeached and is a disgrace and a one-term president with 91 counts facing him. I think it legitimizes him. I don't need to be gaslit by Trump. Asshole. We all know who he is. We right. all know what he's he He's a Republican for. nominee. That's who he that is, douchefaced. him twice and just, like, sort of mop the floor with him. If you look at any of the studies, yeah. every Ameri- most Americans that watched it thought that Biden won, not only on what? policy but on demeanor, especially. Idiot. Does this person have the temperament to be this? the president? We know who Donald Trump is. I don't think you give him that type of platform. But also, if if Biden flubs, they'll be all over him. If Trump flubs, he doesn't show up, they'll be all over him. But here's the thing. A lot has happened since 2020. January 6th hadn't happened. Donald Trump needs to have to stand next to Joe Biden. And Joe Biden needs to call him out on the unfitness because the reality is we but all at this table. He's going to say he had nothing to do with it. All right, shut these ladies off. My God. Jesus. Every time she <laughs> talks, too. If that right there is not an ad for abstinence, I don't know what is. These are just the worst people God ever created. Was it Sonny Host in the beginning of that, that moron? Yeah, her. and then it goes to Behar, and she's the one that says Biden might flub. Right. That, that was the the controversial comment for that the was left. It? For the left. That yeah, was, but there was like one comment. Of course. They go on for five minutes about right. what a bad guy Trump is. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but if you do the, you know, if you betray the left even a little bit, they'll come for your head, man. Well, she didn't exactly betray them. Well, I know, but she they, said he may flop, right? But which angry, is, I mean, that's that's money in the bank, that's collecting interest, one hundred percent. But that, you know, that angry mob. That's like taking the like, under uh, with the match, right? Flipping. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, uh, Eighty and eighty-two. Are you nuts? <laughs> <laughs> the poor guy's not even listening to you. Yeah, I know. He's not. <laughs> no, he is. One eight hundred eight four eight W A B C. Eighty and eighty-two. That's the uh, that's the over under. 80 wins for the Mets. Oh, okay. Yeah. 1 800 848 We'll take a short break. Here in the bonus hour of vacationing Brian Kilmeade, I got you this hour. And my main man, Curtis Sliwa, he got you next hour. Keep it right here. Sit on ABC. Make it hard for me to see Our thoughts all seem strange Two places far away I need a change of scenery Entertaining and informative This 
is sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Woman is Nancy Mace down in South Carolina. She's right down the block from Nikki Haley. She still's not going to endorse Nikki Haley. Would never vote for Nikki Haley with Donald Trump. Never. He's a little late. She must have been. Maybe she was scolding James Biden. I don't know. Nancy, good morning, sweetheart. How are you? I'm good, sir. We've been on the road and I had bad cell service, but we're good now. Thanks for having me on this morning. Come on. It's always great having you on. Give me uh, what is what exactly is going on with James Biden? Give me the latest with that. Well, uh, well, he's uh, part of the investigation that the Oversight Committee is is having. And it looks like he's going to be, you know, in a little bit of trouble here because he used his companies and his access to Joe Biden, of course, to sell to sell business, to get money from people like China, Russia, Ukraine, Romania, et cetera, as part of the Biden family corruption scheme. And Joe Biden's going to go down as the most corrupt president in U.S. history. My fear is, is that James Biden goes down as corrupt. Hunter Biden goes down as corrupt, not because he's a junkie. I'm recovery, too. But Joe doesn't go down as that. Like I, That's my fear. I mean, I call him that. You call him that. But unless we can pin it to him, and unless he's really charged with something, others won't. You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, you look at these activist judges going after Trump loans. What about Biden's loans? Legitimately, where there's no paperwork. Well, we know this money is funneled from our adversaries or from companies that bought access to Joe Biden. That is true in real corruption. And it's almost like nobody is doing anything about it. Nobody is doing anything about it. Well, tell me where uh, where are we uh, in the House? It, It seems like every time I put on a different show. People are always complaining the Republicans can't get it together. They're still arguing back and forth. Ever since they ousted Kevin McCarthy, there seems to be very little kumbaya with the Republican Party. Say what you want about the Democrats. They're evil. They are evil. They're destroying this country. But those scumbags stick together. Our guys, they kill each other every day. Where are we in that uh, in that well, fight? We we were we were arguing before we ousted Kevin McCarthy, and Kevin McCarthy barely became speaker, if you recall, last year, and had to uh, make some really you know bad deals, I guess, to get the speakership. Barely won it, but we've been arguing ever since. And in fact, you know, I think it started with the spending and the debt ceiling. He put together this horrible package that Republican led, Kevin McCarthy led, a debt ceiling deal that would put fifty trillion dollars under the backs of our kids and our grandkids 
And that's not what we should be, you know, from there, everything just sort of fell apart. The appropriations fell apart. The budget fell apart because Kevin McCarthy couldn't lead our country, couldn't even keep the speakership because he's a loser. So, um, you know, we've been this way for a while now, and I've been a part of these meetings with the new speaker, with different factions of the Republican Party, and we are sometimes our own worst enemy, even when it comes to border security, that we all know our nation wants and needs, regardless if you're Republican or Democrat, you know, we are cutting our nose off to spite our face, and we've got to have a backbone. We've got to hold the line and hold strong and do border security first before we do anything else. But it's members of the Republican Party that are using border security as a wedge to get more money for Ukraine. End of story. That's what this is about. It's about Ukraine at the end of the day. So what do you think is, well, first of all, I'd be happy they're using it to get money for Israel. But to me, I, I was very happy with that $18 billion standalone bill for Israel. I think my guy here on Long Island, mm-hmm. Anthony D'Esposito, was part of that. But uh, I'm way past Ukraine, and now my fear is the Navalny death is really going to get these guys back to the Ukraine table, which for me just doesn't do it. I'm sorry. Uh, so where are we with all this spending, with yeah. the border, with it Ukraine, with Israel? And it doesn't do that. But also, when there was an American journalist killed by the Ukrainian government in jail, where was the uproar then? Navalny, and God bless his soul, I've met his family before, he's not a U.S. citizen. What interest do we have in that and going after Ukraine because of his death? Obviously, it was wrong, and somebody should be tried for it. But that's not in the United States, and he was not a citizen. And those are things I have to take seriously. And right now, in my district, 95% of the people in my district and in my state, we all support Israel and making sure that Israel, our ally, has everything she needs to fight Hamas and Hezbollah and all the Iranian proxies that are that are trying to kill all the Jews of the world and fight back. That is a priority for should be the priority for us. And then, you know, we have to do our border before we do other people's borders. And, you know, you look at Ukraine, you're, the Senate wants to give more money to Ukraine than we give to our U.S. Marine Corps. Like, how backwards and upside down yeah. is that when that's your priority? Yeah, I don't get it. It's sick. Yeah, I think it's sick, too. So well, where are mm-hmm. we in all this? Where are we? The Senate stalemate? Well, there was a there was a vote in the Senate. Um, it will not, for the Ukraine-Taiwan-Israel package, it will not get a vote in the House. It doesn't sound like. There is a discharge position or a letter they could that the majority of members could sign and force a vote. I don't know if that will happen. But... First and top of mind is we have the spending short-term CR continuing resolution that expires the first week of March. And so that will have to be our priority when we get back to Congress back in session next week. Nancy you know, Mace. Whether or not border security in Ukraine yep. is going to be a part of that TBD. Next week, okay. Oh, wait, are you still off? Well, I'm not off. I work seven days a week, Sid, as you know, and I got Kevin <laughs> yeah. McCarthy and his Corrupt cronies coming after me. So if your if your listeners want to chip in at nancymace.org, we need every dollar we can get to fight back against the establishment and corrupt Washington. Now, when you say Kevin McCarthy and his cronies are coming after you, look, we all know, of course, you were part of the eight folks, Matt Gates and others that um, asked for his ouster to begin with. But now, I mm-hmm. guess you've got you've got an election coming up. Uh, when you say Kevin McCarthy is after you, be more specific. Well, he handpicked a, re- a candidate to run against me. I'm his number one target in Republican primaries this year. They're going to pour millions and millions of dollars into getting this puppet for McCarthy elected. And she's like Jeb Bush in heels. You can go to puppetcatherine.com and see what she's about. She was working against Donald Trump when you and I were working to get him elected in 2016. She's one of those Aspen Institute globalists 
not for America. And, you know, I've been on the Trump team since the very beginning. I was an OG, Sid, like you. I was with him in 15, and we're still with him now. And I'm right now trying to get him elected. We have our, our presidential primary in South Carolina on Saturday. But Kevin McCarthy would like nothing more than to take me out because I'm a strong conservative woman who would not back down. I am not bought and paid for. He couldn't tell me what to do. He couldn't control me. And now he wants to kick me out of Congress. So I need all the help I can get at nancymace.org. A dollar, ten dollars, anything will help. Nancymace.org. Do you expect, Nancy, because you have been so good to Trump, uh, especially the last year or so, do you expect that regardless of what Kevin McCarthy wants to do, that come election time you'll get an endorsement from the president? I hope. I, you know, I didn't endorse him because of that. I, I believe that Donald Trump is the man to save America. And I've been all over the campaign trail the last couple of weeks speaking at his rally in Charleston last week. I'm with Lara Trump today. I'll be uh, with the with the campaign the rest of the week as we get through Saturday fighting hard to make sure that he wins in South Carolina and wins big. We've got yeah. his opponent on the other side. They're recruiting Democrats to vote in our, our primaries since we have open primaries, and we can't let that happen. You know, I'm very, very tight with Lara. In fact, Lara is about to become the new co-chair of the RNC. Watley's going to take mm-hmm. over. She'll be the co-chair. She's Amazing. on the show. Yeah, she's on like every two mm-hmm. weeks like you are. So her and I are very, very tight. Um, well, let's get to one, uh, Nikki Haley. So you're in South Carolina She's in South Carolina. You would think that you, Tim Scott, Lindsey Graham, all you South Carolina folk would be there for Nikki Haley. Yet none of you are. What's the problem? Well, if you talk to the voters on the ground, they like Nikki Haley as governor, but they love Donald Trump. They know when it comes to border security, national security, all these endless foreign wars, they know that he is the strongest candidate to lead our country out of this mess and they want to give him a second shot. And so I talk to voters, I listen to my constituents and he's the man that they want. He's the man that they're going to elect. And guess what? He is going to win every single state as he goes from (laughs) state to state in his primary. And no one's going to win. No one's going to beat him. And uh, he's winning by large numbers, huge margins in South Carolina. He's going to win by over 30 points. Yes, I know. It's embarrassing. So uh, is is Nikki still your friend? Because I don't know her. I know you. I don't know her. She seems like the type of lady that uh, you don't endorse her. She doesn't want to talk to you anymore. She hates you. Well, I hey, I gave her a heads up, and look, I I don't uh, begrudge anybody. I yeah. think that we all need to work together. When Trump is the nominee, we need to unite. We need to work together, and I hope that she'll be on board. I hope she'll endorse Trump for the general election. Oh we God, who cares? She's we been, need to unite the party. Nancy, let me tell you something. I'm going to say this, uh, and don't be offended. She's been such a douchebag. I couldn't care if she endorses him, doesn't endorse him. I just want her to go away. How about that? And she might after this. I mean, if she loses her home state by over 30 points, uh, it's going to be very difficult to come back from. Do you want her endorsement come November? I will take any endorsement I can get. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, not only do I have a Republican primary, but the Democrats on the other side of the aisle have a primary. I represent a very purple district. They're going to spend millions of dollars to take me out both in the Republican primary and in the general election because I am not beholden to anyone but the voters. I don't listen to the bureaucrats in D.C. I don't listen to the establishment in D.C. 
I listen to the people that elected me and gave me this job. And that is the people of South Carolina and nobody else. Nobody can tell me what to do. You know this. I know that. That's why you're great, actually. And whatever I can do to help you win, I will certainly do it. And whoever I know that can help you to win, I will certainly reach out. Because above and beyond the fact that I really love you personally, uh, I think we need you. We need you in this party. We need your voice. So you'll be all right. We uh, we got a lot of months to go before that. We'll talk uh, often before that. So thank you for hopping on today, and we'll talk again very soon. Thanks. Thank you, Sid. And you can chip in today at nancymace.org also. <laughs> Nancy, I will. I will. Nancymace.org. I'll send you something. Okay, sweetheart, thank you for hopping right, on today. Much love. All right. Much yeah. love to you, too. Nancy Mace out of South Carolina. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Bringing gifts from far away. But it made it clear they couldn't stay. No horror was his home. The sales and friendly, you're a fine girl. Hidden friends in the morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Well, I got to come back into the city tonight and go to, um, here's my Maximo moment, actually. Rosanna Scotto's restaurant, Fresco. It's a good place. You ever go there, Lou? Well, you know, there's a couple of better places on the west west side. Yeah, that place sometimes is, uh, the reviews are not there. Uh, I, I told yeah. you about that before. That's not his no, spot. I told you about Not that. his spot. No. Well, I, well, I can <laughs> tell you about three other places that are good. I mean, if you're serious about, you know, uh, 74th Street and 3rd is uh, good looking. You know, no one goes to that other place. No, anymore. never. Not anymore. No, reviews, no, you're right, Mark. See, the reviews yes. are very clouded. Yeah. Yeah, those reviewers are not happy either. Yeah, she makes um, the food very good there at uh, Rosanna's place. And they dance a lot, you know. A lot of dancing goes on there. <laughs> I don't know about uh, Wednesday back. night, but uh, they do. They dance. <laughs> her and her sisters, they dance the whole time. You know, they have music. And, you know, a lot of the uh, the real housewives go there, for example. And um, it's um, it's a big spot, you know. It's, a, it's kind of a uh, who's who of New York at uh, Rosanna's restaurant. Now, I don't think she's there every night, but she's coming in tonight to see me and um, the other guests. So. Well, that's all they are. It's secret. Just you and the other guests. Well, I, I, I can't say what it is, so. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Do you even, Justin, you know, right? I know. Yeah. Well, you know, Lou? Um, I, I hear you yell so many things. In I know. You just all morning. I'm going to make sure, sure he knows. Are you yeah. kidding? Who knows? I'm going to make sure Lou knows. Yeah. 
your phone, you, you, you stick your phone in front of me, here's five messages, then you go to another text, and they're like, look at, no, you see this? Look at this. You see Well, because, to be honest. So I'm trying to keep track of No, I know, so am I. Okay. Like, for me, it's surreal, too. Trust me, I don't know what the hell is going on here. I have no idea what's going on. Bro, guess who texted me last night? You're not going to believe this one, Lou. 35 Bro. And I'm sleeping. Now I lean over. Now I see this text. Now, now watch this. Look at this one. You uh-huh. looking? Uh-huh. Are you looking? Look at this text. Is it now? Is that unbelievable? Is that unbelievable? Bro. And then you back away and you run away. Like, so tell me what. No, that's unbelievable. Look at that. That is unbelievable. Did you read it? Did you read it? Well, how many mornings a week would you say, Justin, that I come in circa 5 a.m. and uh, do what I what Lou was talking about to you? I show you like a text or Something. Uh, every morning. Every five. Morning. Five. Is six an option? Is six an option? No? Five. Yeah, well, now we got oh, extra five. hours, so yeah. there's more than yeah. that. Because so. it happened Saturday morning. We're just not together. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get the group text, right, and right, everybody right, has yes. to respond. Right, right. right. And then if you don't kiss the ring, it becomes... Oh, you know, my God. It becomes, well, why didn't you respond? I see Gnome's text yeah. before I right. see Sid's text, right. even. I'm like, right. wow, that's yeah. so impressive. Right. So where was he? When he did that, whoa, that's crazy. Right, bro? Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Crying laughing emoji, crying laughing emoji. Yeah. Gotta be crying laughing. Justin, opening for Monday. This is where we're going to put this in. Yeah. 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 Then if I say something on the text, no, save that for tomorrow. Don't say anything. Say that tomorrow. (laughs) And tomorrow comes and I can't do it. I I can't even tell you this now because it's just going to add to this. Uh Uh-huh. What's well, now been two minutes of you people making fun of me? So. <laughs> You're not going to believe this. I just got a text from King Charles. We'll all be back tomorrow. We'll tell you more about this text I got from the King. King Charles. He wants to talk to me. So maybe I'll talk to Nigel Farage first on Monday. We're having lunch, you know, of course. Of course you know that already. <laughs> Lou Rubino, great job, really great job today. That stuff with the monkeys was terrific. Justin Ellick, as always, brilliant. Noam Layden, you're a genius among men. We will be back, God willing, as my friend Gene would say, for a 6 a.m. Thursday show. Lots of great guests stopping by tomorrow as well. Don't forget, you get two hours of the great Curtis Sliwa. Two hours. He's coming up next between 11 and 1 before Greg Kelly takes over. From all of us on Sid and Friends in the Morning, to all of you until tomorrow, peace! We gotta be free, we gotta be free.